This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 117, our recap of TakeOver Phoenix and the Royal Rumble. I'm Nick Howell. And still counting down and going, every time my wall clock secondhand marks a new minute, (laughs) I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the show. We had a massive, massive weekend of wrestling. Mr. Howell, uh, we had, like you said, Take Over Phoenix was an amazing show. And then the next night, we had seven hours, seven hours, including the pre-show of Royal Rumble, WWE Royal Rumble. We are here to break it all down and talk about it and analyze what happened because there was a lot of stuff that happened. We're, we got a huge show we got to get through here. Yeah, no kidding. This one is going to be massive today. But before we get into stuff, as we always do, I want to invite everybody to come over and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Uh, that is the hub of our operation and where you can interact with all of the other members of the fan base here at the Busted Wide Open podcast. Uh, you can the also bu- find the Busted Wide Open community, if you the, will. The B-dubbers, I've heard it say, but okay. I think we might need to get into some licensing disputes with Buffalo Wild Wings, but don't <laughs> quote me on that. That's okay. Blue yeah. Meanie's still after us, I think. Yeah, right. For, for BWO. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, right. You can also find us over on Twitter at BWO Podcast, on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. And hey, if you love this show and love what we do, the best way to support the show is over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash BWO. Throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar for us, or you can even sign up for one of our monthly reward tiers where you can interact more with the show, get some sweet swag, get your listener questions answered. Hey, or hey, do a Skype call with me and Ian once a month. That sounds fun. We can we talk some about fun anything stuff you want planned. to. We got some like more fun stuff planned for the patrons too, man. Oh, we got yeah. some cool stuff coming up. So 2019 coming out hot, guys. Starting with the Royal Rumble. Woo! Yeah, no, it was it was a pretty incredible show. I th- I would have to say overall, I was very pleased with it. Although <laughs> there are some things we gonna we gonna have to talk about uh, regarding that show. Um, that being said. Uh, I, I really have to say, Nick, that that takeover, it's it's always so hard to follow takeover with with like a big WWE show. They just Every feel time. so different. Every right? time. Um, 
I also want to throw out a thank you to all of our listeners who joined us in our Facebook chats. We do Facebook live chats now for all of these episodes, all these big shows, pay-per-views, and we had a great time talking with all of you guys on there. It was a lot of fun. Yes. And really, thank you for everyone who showed up there, including some people at the event. We had one of our listeners named Jacob who was at Royal Rumble itself. He was giving us uh, live like reactions like, oh, the crowd did this for for this move and so forth. So it was very cool to have everyone there, and we really appreciate you all joining us. It was a lot of fun. Yes, Jacob, just so you know, you have a care package on the way. Thank you very much for, ah! for reporting live from the that. event itself right into the chat that you can only be in if you're in the Busted Wide Open Discussion Group on Facebook. We've got a, we got a package ready for anyone who shows up on TV with a BWO sign at a show, don't we? Or a t-shirt like a, or any, anything yeah. representing the show. Yeah. Yep. You, you, you get, send me you a screenshot, a- or if we catch it, I'll come find you, and uh, we'll, we'll send you a little care package. <laughs> I thought that was going to be a threat for a second. We'll come find you, man. I have we'll a particular set of skills. Oh, man. Well, we need to get right into this show, Nick. Let's go and talk about the Royal Rumble. Well, the pre-show uh, didn't really allude to what we had in store for us, as it was hosted by Coach and a giant Q-tip. Oh man! It was I. <laughs> it was a who's who of who I don't want to see behind the desk on a pre-show. I, you had Coach JBL, Otunga. It was pretty rough back. Oh god, there, I'm man. sorry. I was thinking of Takeover and and Sam Roberts. We'll talk about that one later. Oh no! Oh yeah. no! Oh, we'll get. Oh, we'll get to Sam Roberts. We will get to Sam Roberts. We have. <laughs> there is much to discuss about Mister Not Sam, but uh, yeah, the pre-show. So let's let's just talk about the matches that were on the pre-show. We had a surprise match pop up. Uh, surprised that it even existed. It was. The strange team of Razor from AOP and Scott Dawson from the Revival teaming up against the champs, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, the Raw Tag Team champs. And the idea was if Razor and Dawson won this, both of their teams would get shots at the Raw Tag Team titles. They did not win. They they could not mesh as a team, unsurprisingly. Uh, I... You know, in the interest of time, we have a lot of show to get through, so I don't want to dwell on this. Other than, I uh, I still feel awful for the Raw Tag Division. I don't know what they're thinking here. Can do you have any idea, Nick, what the logic was here? With I, this match? It was sound logic, and they opened this up. The thing it was describe, well. Hang on, not to well. Let's get to past whether they lost won or lost. Because I liked the idea of opening the show backstage or or opening this segment before the match backstage. Having Drake Maverick come out and tell Charlie Caruso that he's finagled some grand plan together of of, of combining the two soup, two teams into one like super team, if you will, and and that they were going to go up and fight him, and they if if they won that both of them would get championship opportunities. Right there, I was like, okay, that that's well, that's that's, that's new, Drake, fresh, and we don't that's you know. Drake Maverick selling an angle to you right sure, there, and, and he's good at that, and I was yeah, in. And- well, because he's good at selling such... Uh, that's what he's good at. Where, where it, it was, you know, had they pulled this off in this surprise victory, you could have written all kinds of storyline around, are, are Razor and Dawson better teams than their actual teammates? You could have all kinds of drama around, but then they lose. And you're, and yeah. you're looking around like John Travolta meme going, what, what the hell just happened? And what was the whole point of this? Yeah, I, 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 that was my question is, what is the whole point of this other than it's the pre-show we get the Bobby Roode entrance in a baseball stadium. It was, yeah, I, I really have nothing more to say about it other than I feel bad for all of these guys because as a result of this match, they were not allowed to be in the Royal Rumble itself. 
Um, we didn't know this was coming, so we didn't have any pickums for it or anything. But uh, anyway, it happened. Yeah. Moving on, we did know there was going to be a U.S. title match between Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev, the current champ. Uh, this was it was fine. Shinsuke and Rusev have great chemistry. It was a fine match. Uh, nothing major. It could have been a TV match, frankly. Uh, they they're pretty good at, at hard striking on each other, so it was fun. The point of the match was at the end, uh, Nakamura tries to take the turnbuckle cover off. Lana catches him, hops up on the apron, starts screaming at him, distracts the ref, distracts Nakamura, who comes over and tells her to shut up. Rusev charges Nakamura and knocks Lana flying off the apron. Again, this is the second or third time now that Lana's gotten in the, in the way of the match and been smacked down as a result. But Nakamura... He, he kicks Rusev in the back of the head, rolls him up, and gets a one, two, three. Nakamura, once again, is your U.S. champion. Not, none of us called this. This came out of nowhere. We all called Rusev to retain here because we thought it was a pre-show. They weren't going to do anything like this on the pre-show. Why do you think they changed the title, Nick? But because you said that they would never change titles on the pre-show. Good point. Uh, anytime I say something, absolutely, they uh, they always go against me. That right. is very true. Because that they listen. Very true. So they wanted to stick it to you. They you know? want. They do want to stick it to me. I'm right too much, and they want to make me wrong every once in a while. And usually when I'm being really, really certain about something. But no, in, in all in all like all joking aside, you know what? Do you think? And this is the of course <laughs> right up the conspiracy theory. Do you think they're giving Shinsuke this title back and a little more shine? To try and because his contract's up at the end of January, from what I understand, he signed a three-year in January of 2016. So his contract's up around now, and we haven't really heard what his contract and negotiation is. And they're probably terrified of losing him to AEW. Obviously, we don't know how AEW is going to be, but they still don't want to lose a guy of the caliber of Shinsuke to a rival company. I don't Do you think, think this going has anything anywhere. You don't think this has anything to do with that? No, I don't think this. I, well, it might indirectly, but I don't think have, he's going anywhere. He knows where his bread's buttered. He, he, he's, does he? Yeah, he was in championship matches within months of, of arriving on the main roster against Jinder Mahal. Mis- you know, what has he done the last six months? Walk around with the title and not have to do anything except travel and eat catering and, and be I've the seen- champion and do promos on the Tron. Boo hoo, you know? I, I think that John Cena should give up his uh, his catchphrase. I can't even be able to see Shinsuke Nakamura <laughs> the last six months. So no, I, I don't know. It would it wouldn't surprise me if Shinsuke was you know starting to get a little over at his treatment by WWE. Uh, again, it's conspiracy theory, speculation, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they they are keeping Shinsuke in the mix just to try and keep him from from you know just to keep him around for now. But uh, maybe they've got got something bigger planned, but. Then why was this on the pre-show? Maybe because the main show was so big, but at the same time, it, it, was, it was strange. I'm curious to see where they go with this angle. Who knows? Maybe Rusev and Lana had to go film another season of Total Divas or something. Who, who knows? Maybe. They're the most entertaining part of it. Yeah, they are. Uh, we also had on the pre-show a cruiserweight championship match, a fatal four-way between Buddy Murphy, Hideo Itami, uh, Akira Tozawa, and Kalisto. And... Dude, this was one of the better matches of the entire show. This was Agreed. fun as hell. Great cruiserweight match. And what was great about it, I thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, but was that they had a lot of high flying, but then the end was just them beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, and everybody got their offense in. Everybody had their highlight reel moments where they it looked like, oh, wow, could, could Akira Tozawa really pull this off? He, look sure. at him go. Oh, wow, look at Kalisto. You keep seeing these things. And at the end, ultimately, we were right. 
You know, the, I think this was a fantastic match. Of course it was. You know, of course it was. Yeah, we lots we of expected talent. nothing less. Lots of talent. But yeah. it was it was one of those things where they did sow the seeds of doubt in me as to whether or not Buddy Murphy was going to retain because they had so many guys in there who could have pinned each other uh, and taken the title off of him without pinning him. It was one where I believed that they could do it strictly because it wouldn't weaken him to do so. So they definitely had me at a couple of points. You know, Itami came in looking really strong, really hot, a uh, little thicker around the middle. I'm not sure what's going on with his diet, but he did look a lot strong. A lot, you know, he came in hot. So I thought there was a possibility that might happen. No, instead, he put over Buddy Murphy. He laid down and ate the pin. So Buddy Murphy gets, a, 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 I would say, a statement victory here. And that just leads to the question, who can stop Buddy Murphy? Side question on the spot. What's your favorite finishing move? My favorite finishing move? Because Buddy's, in- Buddy's Murphy's Law is very quickly becoming mine. That is one of the most beautifully smooth, executed finishing moves I think I've ever seen. It's, it is gorgeous. It's absurd. It is gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous. It looks devastating. Uh, I'd have to think a little longer and harder. There's a lot of finishing moves out there. Um, but uh, his is definitely... It, it would, I would agree. It's definitely high on my list. Uh, and we were actually talking about this in the chat on, uh, on Sunday was how great his finisher is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those lesser known finishers that was innovated by a Japanese wrestler, uh, Shuji Kondo. And, you know, not a lot of people have seen her to use it. So props to him for doing some research and finding it and making it look really good. So it is, I'd be, I'd be, the one thing is I'm curious if he could do it on a bigger opponent, you know, for, for someone, you know, it's, it's a stature thing. When you think about people's finishers, you think about, you know, like the best finishers can be done on anybody, right? That's that's kind of the metric. Uh, I wonder if he could do it on anybody. You know, Brock's finisher is an F5, for example. He can do it on anybody because he's just that strong. But if you were Johnny Gargano, you wouldn't want your finisher to be an F5 because right. you couldn't pull it off on half the roster. <laughs> so I think, I think Braun Strowman even running power slammed Big Show, didn't he? Uh, he did a lot of things to Big Show that were in- inhuman. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, didn't mean to but, get his uh, rat hold there. I love Buddy okay. Murphy's Murphy's Law. I think it's one of the prettiest finishing moves I've ever seen. Yep, it's gorgeous. We both picked Buddy Murphy to win. So, we go into the main show at 1 and 1 on the Pickums. And right out the right out the gate, right out the gate, Becky Lynch versus Asuka opening the show SmackDown Live Women's Championship. The whole Rumble opens up with the man entering the ring to an absolutely insanely thunderous ovation. 48,193 people on their feet for the man. Um, and, I, I want a little bit of props and credit here, if you don't mind, sir, because oh, I, did, I, I did say that this would open the show, if you, not you, be number two, because of what would have to happen later, blah, blah, blah. And I got a lot of yeah. flack for that from you and from other people, and I was like, yeah, I want it's some so penance. I want some comeuppance. So so def- I'll, so I'll, I'll give you a moment to, to anytime, do so. Anytime Nick gets something right, he wants all the accolades in the world. Look what I did, Mom. I yeah. got something right. Well, we'll 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 discuss how the pickums panned out by the end. But yes, one thing that you did you did call pretty much everything about Becky right this night, sir. You got Becky's coming out first. And you got the finish of this match. And you got a little something later with Becky, too. But uh, this match was, I would have to say, out the gate, you open the show with my favorite match of the night. 
This they gave them over twenty minutes to work. They gave them so much time, uh, Becky and Oscar, and it was absolutely insane. It was hard hitting. It was strong. It was stiff. There were some incredible uh, back and forth. The chemistry between these two was great. You could tell they're both at the top of their game. This was an absolutely amazing match. One of my favorite women's matches of all time. It, wow. It, all, already. I just, I freaking loved everything about this match. Between the intensity they both had, uh, the moves they were able to pull off, they let them go. They let them do some out-of-the-box stuff all the way up to the finish, which was shocking to me. Uh, they were trading off each other's finishers and their own finishers. This great back-and-forth sequence of counters when all of a sudden Asuka... Uh, gets Becky in a move that we haven't seen her do before. And Becky taps out to, to Asuka off the top of the pay-per-view. That's crazy. This this was a magnificent match. I can't say I have zero negative things to say in any respect about this match. Like you said, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to go down as one of those matches. Statement do that, matches. Do you think that Asuka should use that? that it was like what? It was like a, a reverse choke she had a bridge going. It's like a reverse choke uh, standing on her head. Um, oh, it was. It, it looked was, great. It was. It looked great. It she was should, like should, she had reversed, almost like Gulak's Dragon Sleeper, but she had reversed the Oscar lock and just flipped over. Yeah, and pushed down on her neck with her shoulder, and it was it, great because as, we, as I said, we it was surprising. We had never seen it before, but it looked effective. Yeah, and especially after all the damage they'd done to each other, uh, it was particularly. It, it looked brutal. And Becky tapping to it. Uh, this this was something a lot of people didn't like. They didn't like Becky tapping, given how hot she is right now. Do you think it was the right call to have Becky tap? I I do because it's it's a for me it's Oscar. We know she has some of the most vicious submission moves out there. If you're going to go down to Asuka, it's kind of okay. You get a pass if she taps you out. <laughs> Same with Ronda Rousey. Like She's going to sure. tap you out at some point. Yeah, but, um, just, but I, I think it's, it's point. better to do that than it is to have her like lose clean on a three-count pin mm. just on a lateral press. You know, I, I like the idea of... This them trading the the submission moves back and forth, doing each other's moves on the other one, but yeah, just taking the Oscar lock or that backpack lock that she does, and you know modifying it to where she rolls over into a sort of bridge. It's almost like a bridged. I I, I don't even know what to call it. Where's Mario Ronaldo when I need him? But, <laughs> that just to modify it or and Josh, show that or Josh Barnett, right? Or not Nigel McGuinness, any one so, of those guys who are encyclopedic. They went back and forth with their finishers. Neither one of them could could finish. So Oscar took it next level, modified hers into a bridged sleeper yeah. hold, and it was just if you look at the still frame, the camera guy was in perfect position to just see Becky's face mushed against yeah. the mat and her her neck contort. I'd tap the hell out to that too, man. Yeah, that's I what I mean. Is it looked it looked it looked good. It yeah. looked like something you would tap out to. It didn't look like, you know, a John Cena STF. The man exactly. Something. The man lives to fight another day. Yeah. Well, she, kind of. She she, you know, she was obviously very bummed when she left the ring and Oscar stood tall and the audience was a little confused too, like, "Oh my god, Becky tapped." Uh, but obviously, before I I give my opinion on whether or not I think that it was a good idea to have Becky tap, I need to actually we need to talk about something later in the show when we get to it. So I'm going to call back to this as far as Becky tapping to Oscar. That being said, uh, I mean, this is something we're going to hear a lot this weekend is 
who can beat so-and-so now? Buddy Murphy came out of the cruiserweight match looking like a monster. Asuka comes out of this looking like the Asuka of old. I mean, you can pretty much almost wipe out that Charlotte loss after this. She, you know, she beats the hottest person in WWE, taps him out. Who can go up against Asuka now? You know not, what I mean? Like, not is this Carmella. <laughs> hey, she looked good in the Rumble later. She but uh, but no, Asuka is back to looking strong. Is what I think my point that I was trying to make there is yeah. this this absolutely makes Asuka look like the beast we've wanted her to look like for quite a while. So I liked I liked that aspect of this finish. Uh, you, as we said, you did pick Becky to lose here, and for Asuka to win. I thought Becky was picking this one up, so you are ahead now, two to one Oof. in the pickums. The next match was the uh, the greatest in the world, Miz and Shane versus the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships, The Bar. Uh, this was going into this, you were not excited about this. Am I correct? Yeah, I, I, I expected a train wreck. What did you get? Pretty much a train wreck. It was. Re- oh, really? I thought I, I, I didn't th- enjoy it at all. Uh, what I thought th- at the time online, I thought yes, I, th- I thought I saw you say that uh, you enjoyed it. Yeah, you was over. Oh, I think for you. my line was, "This is more fun than it has any right to be." That's, it's something yeah. along that. So that that was your line. I, it was fun, but it was completely unnecessary and a waste of time. And then I look at the outcome and oh, I just wow. go, "Oh boy, oh boy." Okay, I mean, okay, so something outcome, better come out of this. So the outcome of this one for for people who did not watch it. Was uh, it was another back and forth match, and uh, Shane did a couple of his big. We well, tried to go for some of his big spots. Tried to go for this table spot to the outside, but Cesaro moved. He ended up just splashing both Sheamus and Cesaro anyway. Uh, at one point, he teased a coast to coast on both guys, but they got up. Cesaro put him into a swing, swung Shane around for a while. Shane, the entire time he's swinging, trying to cover his gut, holding his shirt down. Kayfabe, Shane. Kayfabe. Um, but at the end, it started off with, uh, uh, let's see, Seamus hit Cesaro with a brogue kick, uh, which messed up shame with messed up Cesaro. Miz jumps in skull crushing finales. Seamus, they both roll outside and Shane hits a gorgeous shooting star press onto Cesaro to pick up the one, two, three Miz and Shane, your new SmackDown live tag team champions. Um, I'm scared. I I don't know. I'm more entertained by this angle than I think I should be. Like I've I've been defending it for a while, and like it's been hit and miss some weeks. But I I'm still I'm they're still I'm still curious where they're going. They still got me. We've always looked to the SmackDown Live Tag Division as the standard bearer. Okay, I see, I see where you're going. That's a good and point. And they are now going the route of Raw by these you know inexplicable pairings. And wins that don't really make sense as a means to an end of sorts that we may figure out at some point. Yeah. And I'm sitting here going, oh, God, don't do this to SmackDown. Don't do this. Please don't do this same shit you've been doing on Raw over on SmackDown. That is a good point. I, I can't have it both ways. I do complain about this kind of crap on Raw. Um, that being said, I feel like there's more of a point and a story to Shane and Miz than a lot of the stuff that we've seen on Raw. Uh so maybe I'm just being pulled in more by the story that they're telling or, or intrigue as to where they're going, I well, guess. Hugging his dad on the side. It, oh, yeah, Miz's, Miz's dad was on the sidelines, which, by the way, according to their storyline, you know, Miz was looking for approval from his dad because his dad loved Shane more than him. Right. What does that say 
to your dad when your son can only win the tag titles when he's with Shane. Like that's ah, uh, it's gonna end poorly. No, I'm curious where they're going. Like if they're going to stick with the Miz face turn and Shane's gonna turn heel, or if Miz is gonna turn on Shane. I'm curious what their their plan is here. If this was just an elaborate way to get Miz over as a face while keeping him out of the singles division, uh, which is stacked right now, or what the, what the overall plan is here. Because right so far, I think the Miz face turn is actually going swimmingly. And if that was their point, if that was their idea behind this, I think it's working. Yeah, but, them coming uh, out in Miz and Mac baseball jerseys was was a nice touch. They said they were going to get matching uniforms. They did. Yep. They and then did. you just see Miz smiling, grinning ear to ear. You know, just he's very face already. Uh-huh. They, he just they haven't really played into it much yet, but the story about my dad, and then just wanting to be accepted, <laughs> and just wanting to, ju- I just want to look like you, Shane. Well, it came off as somewhat disingenuous the first time because we were just waiting for the other shoe to drop because it's Miz, but uh, they've stuck with it. So yeah, it's I'm also curious. The- Shane. <laughs> yeah, I am curious where this is going. I am curious. That's the only. I think that's the only thing that's keeping me invested and keeping me from hating what they're doing because, the, as you said, the tag team division on SmackDown is stacked so much so we haven't seen Sanity in forever. So, but uh, you did pick the bar here, I think. Hopefully, but Shane and uh, Mr. McMahon did win. Shane and Mr. McMahon, Shane and the Miz did win, and uh, so now we are tied two two, sir. Heading mm. into our third match of the night. And already we're having another women's championship match. Sasha Banks challenging Ronda Rousey for the Raw championship, Raw Women's Championship. Did this match... Uh, so we were both complaining, I think, going into this, Nick, that they they jump-started this too soon. They kind of hot-shotted Sasha back into the main event scene when she's been kind of irrelevant all year. Did this match overperform for, for what we expected? Um... I feel like it should have been... So, yes, to answer your question. I, I feel like it did overperform to my expectation. I think I would have put it in a different spot on the card. Um, I think if I were booking this event, there's a lot of things I would have shuffled around, frankly. Um, but this was one of them. It was too soon. It was too right after the other women's championship match. It should have been later on in the card. It was the raw one with Rousey that normally is at the later tail end of the card. I understand why you had your hottest commodity in Becky Lynch at the front because as we now know what happened happened which we'll mm. talk about later that needed to be at the top of the card but had the plan not been for that to happen both i think that match would have been more towards the main event i think this one should have been later on um i honestly think you could have flopped flip-flopped daniel bryan and aj styles into uh this position oh dear god if you had had if you'd had the WWE Championship go on before the first Rumble, I think people would have lost their minds. It, it, would have, it would have been all of the SmackDown in a row and then all of Raw later in the show in a row. Um, and I think that you could have defended that, but I also think there would be a lot of people, just as many people detracting from that uh, and, and com- complaining about that as they did about the lineup of the show as it was. I think, th- I think they, were, they, they were in a pickle here. There was nothing they could do about some of these matches. Well, overall, since we're talking about it now, the fact that the women's rumble did not close out this show based on the plans that they had yeah. is an absolute atrocity because that in t- the air went out of that place after the women's Royal Rumble. It was yeah, well, we'll talk, all we'll talk about the Rumble. We'll talk about that Rumble next. Let's talk about that Sasha Banks and Rousey match, though, because I actually thought that the only thing wrong with it wasn't its placement on the card, but its proximity to and and the fact that it was on the same show as that Becky Lynch and Oscar match. 
Because I thought I thought Sasha and Ronda tore down the house. I thought they had a great match. I thought they had great chemistry. I thought Ronda showed us a lot of things that we hadn't seen her do before. Um, mainly, she she beat Sasha with a pin. It's her first pinfall victory in WWE. Every other one was a submission. Um, but it was also it was a return to form for Sasha where she got to show off her viciousness with uh, at one point she's trying to submit Rousey with a bank statement using her her arm strap in Ronda's mouth as like a <laughs> as a as a garrot and then at another point uh she was stomping on her hands the way when Ronda was trying to get out of a, of a of a finishing move same way she did to Bailey back in Brooklyn like it was a good look for Sasha she looked like she was competitive again and she definitely I think took it to Ronda more than pretty much anyone has so it did look I thought it looked good for Sasha uh, the only downside was because she now lost to Ronda, it does, I, I don't know, I feel like it diminishes her again. It sends her back down into where she was, which is kind of, okay, well, what now for Sasha? You know? Yep. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if, I, again, she looked good in this match, but I don't know if even being in this match helped her position. No. but it, Frankly, I don't think anybody thought that there was ever a chance in hell that she was going to take the title off of Ronda Rousey. Now, I will say, if they nope. had pulled the trigger on something silly like that and put the title on on Sasha Banks, that would have wound me up quite a bit, and I would have gone... There would, would have been, had a lot to talk about here, but yeah. the, the idea is keeping things interesting, changing titles around. I mean, she's had it since SummerSlam. And so, she will keep it to WrestleMania. I agree with that. Especially now, <laughs> especially yeah, now that the prophecy is 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 coming true. Yeah, no, and, and we both called this. You know, we both called that that Ronda was going to pick it up here. When nobody, a Vegas odds, it was like a thousand to one that, yeah. that Sasha was going to win. Like it was the most I think clear cut match on the card, frankly. Um, but uh, they did tease some stuff afterwards. You know, Sasha was a bit of a sore loser. I thought that was good for her. That was proper for her character. Was she was. She she ended up after pouting for a bit, shaking Ronda's hand, but then you know, kind of cockily walked away and threw the four horsewomen sign up. Um, one thing I will say about this match uh, before we move on, because there's really not much to talk about other than it was a good match. Ronda looked good, Sasha looked good, but uh, Ronda had an interview backstage afterwards. It's about a three minute interview. I'm a, I, I'm going to find it again and post it in the Facebook group. It's it's really good. She treats it like a post UFC fight debriefing where she talks very plainly about her game plan going into this match uh why she went she ultimately went for a pinfall victory where she was explaining how you know when you when you're taught to fight you try to throw out something that is going to be your main offensive move and then at a certain point if someone seems to have studied you too much you go for something else because they're going to expect that and it was it was felt it felt like someone who had really been in real fights and real competition, and it gave it more of a sports feel after the match. She also went into how Sasha throwing the four horsewomen was disingenuous. That she and her uh, three ladies were the real four horsewomen because it was something that they came to on their own without having the auspices of wrestling around them, and it was something that they did as a sign of their commitment to each other and how their connection to each other. And one line she threw out, the four horsewomen of WWE, they don't even like each other. It's not a connection for them. It's just a gimmick. It's just a, 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 a way to sell merch. So good stuff from Ronda Rousey backstage right there. Uh, like I said, everyone should go check that out because I think that that's, they, can go, uh, they can go look at that. I, I'm, I'm sad it's buried online. Like I really wish they had used that. 
Uh, there was another thing was from stuff. Sasha last week as well, where they they were showing her training with uh, was it Oni Lorkin and Drew Gulak? Yep, uh, on how to uh, to grapple and do more submission work and things like that. Yeah, uh, with that someone of Ronda's caliber. And, it, and this one, this definitely was more of a grappling match. And if, in that sense, it contrasted well with the earlier women's match, which was a lot of striking, stiff strikes. So they did a good job of booking these two matches to contrast. So we didn't feel like we had the same match over and over again. Yeah. So, but uh, that being said, we both, we both, as we said, picked Sasha. We're tied up. Rhonda. Three, th- sorry, Rhonda. Thank you. <laughs> We're both. T- I was already on the next damn thing. Uh, we are both tied at three and three in the pickums heading into the women's Royal Rumble. It came right here in the middle of the show. And uh, oh I was boy. very surprised that it was this early. I, I was a little bit too. We, were, we all kind of jumped on, oh, really, right now? It, it kind of makes sense. You need to give the audience enough time to breathe before the second Royal Rumble. They're, these matches are an hour long. So it, it, at, at least, you know, so it makes, it makes sense that they would want to, to space them out right. a little bit. But uh, yeah, this was, it was a long, long match. Let me, let me reiterate that. In fact, I think if I am correct... Uh, it is the third longest women's match in history behind Mercedes Martinez and Tessa Blanchard uh, in yeah, Rise. Classic. In Rise. No, in Rise. Oh, there was a 75-minute yeah, yeah. minute Iron Woman match. That's right. Uh, and then Mercedes Martinez again faced uh, Lexus, I think she was known as. It was Alicia Edwards um, for the WSU world title. But uh, yeah, third, third longest. It was uh, an hour and 12 minutes, the Women's Royal Rumble. It was long. It was long, but uh, a lot of they also had to get through a lot of stuff in this. There was a lot of business to get through, but it opened up with Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans, the first woman out, and uh, she got a little promo time, and she faced off initially with Natalia. What did you think about you? So your girl, Lacey Evans, getting that strong. Like, did you feel like her performance here? She got rocket strapped, and we're going to talk. And I love stealing that that line from Edge and Christian because it's just so appropriate. But. Uh, do you think Lacey's getting rocket strapped here? And we'll talk about everyone else who kind of surprise showed up, but just the fact she got such a spotlight here. So, are we talking about the whole Rumble in, in, in the, the the match? You um, know, Rumbles, because Rumbles I, I are tough to, to break answer down. that question. You have to go through the certain things that happened with her in the match. There were several key moments. Well, yes, the promo, her opening the show, coming out at the number one spot, and getting two to three minutes to introduce herself, say her name what she's about, show off the accent, describe her her gimmick, her character, all of that stuff. Fantastic. I think the first, what, 10 to 15 entrants in this were a lot of them were either brand new already on the main roster or NXT call-ups with the trainer. Or legends, or like, or like been around a long time like Natalia and Mickey James. Yes, right. I agree. So basically kind of, uh, it was almost like watching puppies. In a, in a in a playground, just you know, they're while they're wrestling and playing around. The mom and the two moms are over there, just making sure they in the, stuck in the corner, resting for ninety percent of the match. But you know, sitting there making sure everybody's doing their thing or calling the match, et cetera, et cetera. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I think that's actually a really good uh, analogy because it did feel a lot like there's a lot of mess in the first half of this Royal Rumble. It was a lot of mess, a lot of very sloppy uh, stuff, and people not knowing where to go, and. Um, it wasn't not, until... not very interesting booking, not a whole lot of story, not a lot of storyline yeah. in the beginning of this. They're, they're, they're the most interesting, the best Royal Rumbles are the ones where you find storylines to concentrate on as you go through it. And it's not just people half heartedly beating each other up and 
faking like they're they're holding on to the ropes and someone else trying to push them off in a really awkward way. Uh, you need to have some sort of through line that you can relate to. And I think the second half of this match did that a lot better than the first half. Got and it. they, you know, they didn't uh, like Lacey was just in there after this, after her entrance and and the promo, she was just kind of there and she didn't look that really that good. I, th- I thought she was exposed a little bit in how green she was yeah. because they didn't really give her much to work with. But I mean, um, if, we, if we look at the top 10 real quick, it's Lacey Evans, Mandy Rose, Liv Morgan, Ember Moon, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Nikki Cross. And Natalia and Mickey James. Well, I, Tamina at number 10, sure. But yeah. yes, that's that's the first 10. So that was the analogy. That's why I made the analogy and, the way and that I did. And even beyond that, 11 was Zia Lee, which was another big surprise. Another big NXT Zia surprise, and then yeah. Sarah, Sarah Logan, who's also, you know. Fresh. Relatively fresh. It wasn't until you got thirteen Charlotte Flair that you started seeing business started to pick up. Honestly, I thought I thought yeah. Charlotte's entrance was when things started to pick up. That was where the turn happened for sure. Absolutely, okay, it started yeah. to get interesting. Um, and then they had Kyrie Sane come out at fourteen. Another great, nice NXT call up. She looked. They they made her look like a million bucks. She got a huge um, pop. She got a huge pop too. I, and here's the thing, Zia Lee. I thought they gave her the opportunity to look good. She was kicking everyone, uh, everyone's heads off. She looked great. And then they put her in a spot with Tamina, where Tamina was supposed to catch her kick and then act like she was, you know, throwing her foot in the air and Xylee was going to backflip and catch herself. But Tamina botched the, the move and Xylee ended up falling on her knees and it did not make Zia look good. And I was like, why would I get Tamina is strong, but she's just not she's not athletic. You know, I don't know why Natalia, you know, yeah. or somebody you know, Natalia would have, I think or Mandy, about, you know, somebody mm-hmm. that's got the power to be able to do that. The power, but a little bit cleaner. Yeah. I felt bad for Zylee because that wasn't a good look for her, but uh, yeah, Kyrie saying, and, and again, when we say business picked up, it wasn't all good from then on. We had Maria Canellis also surprisingly show back up and eh. she, she and Alicia Fox, who was 18 had what I can only describe as a straight up divas moment where Maria tried to get them to team up and then inexplicably after teaming up for a second stomps on Foxy's hat in the middle of the ring and they just kind of scream at each other for a second. I was I was head in my lays hands. down and throws a tantrum like what, what was, the hell is head going in on? my hands and Maria has been pushing for the divas belt to come back and this was this was an example of why I don't want it to come back this kind of stupid crap. It, it actually made me wish that Maria had been granted her release, which she allegedly did not ask for. This, this was, this, it actively pissed me off. On, on a night where I felt like a lot of women got to show off how good they could actually be, we got this kind of high school booking. And it was, it was annoying, yep. frankly. A lot of that um, in the men's, too. We'll talk about that later. Well, we'll get, we'll get there. Uh, speaking of storyline. So we were talking about how like storylines are engaging. The crowd was not really that into this because of all the kind of the mess at the beginning. They were you know, they were giving pops here and there, but they were st- still like, eh. They, they weren't really fired up until Naomi came out and went right for Mandy Rose. That's a storyline, bad as it's been, like as awful as it has been to watch, it is a storyline that people could get behind. You coming for my man, I'm going to come kill you. Yep. And Naomi came out, Almost got eliminated by Mandy Rose. Handstands over to the barricade. Uh, gets on the barricade and ba- balances her way along the barricade. Walking along the barricade. By the way, that was terrifying. Yeah, it was. 
She that barricade. Those are was not wobbling. that sturdy. That's those steel fences no. that are like an inch wide. Yeah, but they've got the and padding over the top of them, and you could see you could see her feet wiggling underneath it or on top of those it. Big big floppy shoes on with the light up glow things on the bottom. Like that's not good for gripping. Like that was actually more impressive than a lot of stuff Kofi's done on the ring outs because of just how wonky that fence was that she was walking along. It was <laughs> I was sweating watching her do this. And then the steps seemed like they were a million miles away. Great camera work. And she jumped from the fence to the stairs. Oh my god, that was incredible. It's like 5 feet. It's not that far away, but the it camera looked, angle looked like made it like 10 to 15 feet away. <laughs> said out loud you've got to be kidding me yeah when she pulled that off and the best part about the whole thing was lands on the stairs she's clear she's back in the ring mandy rose knocks her off the stairs and she eliminates her oh this was beautiful beautifully executed and the audience was ate it up ate it up that was what a great payoff to an awful feud and it's not the payoff we obviously have more of coming of this like that's (laughs) mandy got the better of her here but that was the kind of storytelling that makes rumbles you can you invest in them more, right? Yeah. So that was um, that was a great moment, and that's when this started here. Uh, uh, this section of the Royal Rumble where th- things started to pick up, and you got some more people who could really do some interesting things, like Candice LeRae from NXT, uh, who we haven't seen NXT in a while, and she got to come out and and do some work. Katie K- Casey Catanzaro, who I was really shocked to see, uh, former Ninja Warrior, came out and got a couple of good spots. Also doing some Ninja Warrior handstand stuff, hand walking on her hands to the pole, the ring post. Wrapping her legs around it and pulling herself up. I mean, core strength. Hello. And it, from a complete upside down position and climbs back into the ring. Well, it, it helps be, it helps when you're, you know, 80 pounds soaking wet and five sure. foot nothing. And, and but, uh, one ninja warrior, you know, yeah, her, <laughs> this yeah, is nothing to ninja you. <laughs> oh my God. No, she, she had an, she had a pretty good showing too. Um, and, uh, so one interesting little thing, Zelina Vega at some point was out in this match and hides under the ring which I believe she did last year. She did at some point where she hit under the ring. This was but the highlight hiding. of the match for me, to be honest. Oh, this was, this was, this was one of the low lights, but I was, I was still sports entertained. Yeah. She's hiding under the ring and keeps poking her head out like a little puppy. Like, huh, huh, anyone notice me yet? And then sticking her head back in just so people didn't forget she was there. One time she pokes her head out to watch someone get eliminated. I forget who. And uh, poking his head out next to her was Hornswoggle in full leprechaun gear. Hornswoggle <laughs> apparently lives under the ring now pokes his head out she screams he chases her all over the place she gets eliminated he chases her all down the ramp all the way to the back the hell was this that needs to be a thing that like it, it, at any point in time just Hornswoggle popping out from under the ring for no reason Hornswoggle uh, randomly under the ring he just lives yes, there yes. yeah just like one day randomly on raw he just shows up and he pops out from under the ring Anyway, let's not I, get sidetracked. I'm of I'm of divided mind about it. On one hand, <laughs> on one hand, I'm like that's stupid. It's ridiculous. On the other hand, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Uh, that that was definitely the biggest surprise of, the, of both Rumbles was Hornswoggle popping out for no freaking reason. Uh, earlier, but, hey, earlier, let me get back to one point. Earlier, you asked me about Lacey Evans coming out, and if she, if she was getting all, does she have the rocket strapped? It wasn't until I saw her, probably about at this point in the match, start having a little bit of trade off with Charlotte Flair. Yeah, and we've talked about kind of incessantly, almost annoyingly, to a point, the fact that you know let her end up opposite of Charlotte Flair, so we don't have the. Oh, clone. they did. They had a couple of face downs. Yeah. Oh man, and and ultimately Charlotte elim- is the one that eliminates Lacey mm-hmm. Evans. So that's got me going. Are they 
Does she have the rocket straps? Are they going to put her in a program with Charlotte Flair right out of the gate? Storyline. Yes. Yeah. That was one of my big takeaways from this match, other than the stuff we're going to get to. But that was a that was a really big one for me. I think we're going to see more, hopefully, of of Lacey Evans working with Charlotte instead. Setting up some stuff there, I hope. Um, a couple more notes. Well, it's, it's tough to get through all this. Io Shirai also came out. The fact that both she and Kyrie Sane, she came out right as Kyrie was eliminated, so we didn't see them in the ring at the same time. She did pull off a sick Asai moonsault at one point. Uh, and the, the commentators even said, hey, check this out, Charlotte. But um, that the fact that both Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane came out, it does tip the hat to me that they'll probably be involved as a tag team in an elimination chamber, yeah. uh, which, I've been, which I've been calling. Uh, just this, this was their way of introducing them. Also uh, called up for this, Rhea Ripley, who came out and looked like a monster. She looked like the female god of destruction coming out. She, she is, she's, uh, she's ready, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> seeing, seeing her in this match, I was like, yes, more of her killing people, please. Uh, and we don't so. really have that kind of character type in the women's division right now. Uh, no. Ruby Riot, maybe, but uh, that punk kind of. But I mean, you go from punk to metal. Yeah, like this is hardcore thrash metal as opposed to Ruby Riot's like you know eighty nineteen eighty two punk rock. Yeah, if you throw like the size of Tamina, the size of Tamina and Charlotte, and the attitude of Ruby Riot into like a heavy metal body, you get Rhea Ripley. Only you know she's really good too. Yeah. So I I was definitely happy to see her there. I had kind of expected her to be there. But uh, I was really happy to see her and to see that she looked good. They made her look good. Um, and when she was, she was, she had to get eliminated by Bailey. Like Bailey eliminated her, and it was an insane ring out too. She did a handstand over the ropes. It looked brutal. So good stuff all around there. Uh, Alexa Bliss did make her return. Uh, she was eliminated by of all people, freaking Carmella, with a the buckle bomb bef- right before it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. You want to talk that's, about that, Nick? I that's know that the was, one I know thing that. I want to make a comment about is, hey, we got a girl coming back for her first match in six months, six months, four months, six months, and she's been out with a neck injury and tingly hands, fingers, and, and extremities. I know. Let's buckle bomber. <laughs> Morons. I don't know, man. I mean, if, I mean, if she called I don't know, it, fine. I don't know what the theory was. That's either. on yeah, her. If she but called it there. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. For, for, you know. We start getting into the final five or six ladies coming out here, and things. this is where things escalate uh, pretty quickly. Uh, Alexa, I mean, just goes crazy, ends up getting eliminated by uh, Carmella. Uh, we got to see that. And then the next one was Bailey. Like, I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. Bailey to show up in this, uh, especially we, not this late. At this point in the in the chat, we were all saying, "Well, who's left? Who could show up?" And then we, Bailey came out. We all went, "Oh yeah, Bailey's still around." Uh, the crowd popped for her though, so she's still got some something going on apparently. But the big news about the Rumble, and we've been waiting until the end to, to get to this. Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. Nia Jax was number twenty nine. Nia Jax came out at twenty nine, and uh, to as you would imagine, a, a huge uh, amount of applause from the audience. Everyone happy to see Nia Jax, especially Nick. Nick was very happy. He's overjoyed. He said, finally, my girl Nia Jax is in this rumble. I'm so happy to see her. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I kid, of course. Nia Jax came out 29. Carmella came out 30. But here's the thing that we didn't mention. Lana. Lana came out number 28. But she's still limping because she's selling that injury from the pre-show. 
So she's limping down, never makes it to the ring. Nia Jax and Carmella both make it to the ring and start doing business. By the way, Carmella, I thought, looked good in this match. They let her, they let her look pretty strong. Just a quick note there. Yeah. But um, makes it down to the ring. They both make it down to the ring, start the business. Lana still on the, uh, still on, in the ramp, getting attended to by everybody. And here's the moment that I think we all were expecting at this point. Out comes Becky Lynch. Walks up to every all the trainers and say, if she can't go, oh, it's Fit I'm Finley. A, I'm gonna go. Well, this is, I was gonna get to that. Yeah, it was specifically Fit Finley. She started arguing with. And uh, one thing I can tell you from working at an Irish bar, the Irish stick together. So of course, Fit Finley goes, "Oh well, I don't see why not. Go on down there, girl. Have a good time." So Becky Lynch gets in the Royal Rumble match to an enormous ovation. Jumps in the ring and immediately gets into Nia Jax's face. Oh my God. Uh, I don't even I don't even have the kind of hatred for Nia Jax that you do. And this gave me goosebumps. Yeah. This well, gave I mean, it's, me it's this is a callback to all the way back to November, Survivor Series, uh, before Thanksgiving. I mean, this yeah. has been a long time coming. And we, you know, that this is one of those things that we lost Becky and Rhonda because of this. Uh slip up at survivor series that is now going to culminate in the first what I, my opinion is the first ever women's main eventing wrestlemania with becky and ronda i still wonder how much of that was worked um but that being said they have definitely kept it fresh in our minds by by having naya turn hard into the face breaker meme and uh always reminding us that she broke becky's face and you know just being the kind of heel that everyone hates and etc uh so they've kept it they've, they've reminded us a lot and this was the payoff. This was the payoff moment for that was Becky facing down Nia and frankly beating the crap out of her. She yeah. threw some she threw some straight haymakers. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And, uh, the you know, to, we've been running long here, but the bottom line was uh, Becky eliminates Nia and gets pulled outside and Nia hurts her leg to the point where Becky doesn't think she can get back in. Charlotte's left in the ring. It's down to Charlotte and Becky, but Becky can't stand on her leg. And uh, right before the ref counts her out and counts and calls Charlotte the victor, Becky rolls back in and says, nope, I'm doing this. I can go. And she ends up eliminating Charlotte. Charlotte kind of eliminated herself. Well, she would have had to because yeah. Becky was on one freaking leg. But Beautiful. Becky Lynch, Becky what, Lynch. What a, what a swan song. Becky Lynch, as you called, as you predicted, Mr. Howell. <laughs> Becky Lynch wins the Royal Rumble. She has not declared who she's going to be going after. But, of course, we all know exactly who she's going after. Uh, so, Becky Lynch coming back from losing to Asuka to win the Royal Rumble. Was this the right decision? Was having Becky win the Royal Rumble the right decision? See, you could prophesize things a couple of different ways. I think this was an amazing way just to put over the women's Royal Rumble match in general. What a great surprise. What a great way to finish it and to actually deliver on the surprise. Uh-huh. It just made a huge difference. Now, that's not to say that Charlotte couldn't have won this. They could have just called it off. They could have said no to Becky. Becky couldn't have come out at all. Charlotte could have won this whole thing. And we still could have ended up, I think you even said something last week along the lines of we could still end up with some kind of triple threat between Ronda, some action between Ronda, Becky, and Charlotte when we, by the time we get to Mania. Yeah. So I think it paid off great. The only thing I can think here is could we have had somebody else that could have challenged Asuka for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship that won this match. So and, here's and, the thing. And I, I'm looking down the list, 
and, I, and I'm frankly not seeing anybody. So yes, that was yeah. a long way to answer your question, but I think this is absolutely <laughs> the right way to do that and sell this pay-per-view. Yeah, well, which is probably why you predicted it. <laughs> but but that being said, I agree with you, and I think that the fact that Becky lost to Oscar in the beginning of the show definitely underlined this. And in fact, I'll go so far as to call back to the fact that I was I was talking about Becky tapping to Oscar. Becky tapping to Asuka and then going and winning the Royal Rumble makes Asuka look like a million freaking dollars. And it keeps Becky hot. It makes them both look good. It makes Asuka look extremely dangerous. And it makes Becky look like she is a tough SOB or DOB, I guess, uh, who can come back and, and you know, when win the Rumble in this kind of fashion. So I, and I think that just to put a cap on it, because we are running long because it's a Rumble, uh, put a cap on it. The only complaint that I had about this, you know, like I said, I thought the rumble started off a little, a little messy, but it ended up, it ended up very exciting, even though it was long as hell. Um, it didn't end the show, and this was like one of the most iconic moments of the show was Becky winning this. Well, that's all we had to talk about with regards to Royal Rumble, guys. Nick wins four to three. It's been a pleasure hanging out with. Oh no, wait! This whole they didn't put the. They didn't put the. How did you not put the women's Royal Rumble last, you moron? There's a second. There's a whole second half of the show to go. The Nick. rest of this shit just went downhill fast, like the Jamaican bobsled team. I disagree. Holy crap! I disagree, but that's why we have a podcast because we need to discuss this. Next up, after the women's Royal Rumble, we went to Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. These poor bastards. Yep. These poor bastards having to do a match where they they were booked to grapple for twenty minutes after 20 minutes. an hour and a half long rumble match. Hour where twelve minutes. The bath. They were lined up at the bathrooms at the at the, oh at, at the my arena. god. Oh and, my god. And the emotional high of Becky Lynch winning. Our boy on the ground, Jacob, was like, "It's silent <laughs> for this match." <laughs> oh, these poor guys. That being said, frankly, I think. They knew going, these guys, this is not their first rodeo. They knew going into this, we got to slow this everything down, give the audience a chance to breathe, make it a long match. We'll do some stuff, you know, but we're not going to expect to go out there and get a huge freaking ovation. They worked a very methodical match that was meant to let the audience catch their breath back. And by the end of this match, the audience was getting back into it because they, they, uh, frankly, and I've had this argument over the last 24 hours. I thought it was a very good match. It's just the crowd was utterly dead for it, and they had pretty much nothing to work with in terms of energy Yeah, from the, to work the crowd. But from a technical standpoint, this match was fantastic. It was, it was spot beautiful. on. It yeah. was absolutely beautiful. As you would expect from two of the best workers in the world. So I... Pfft. I had no, I, you know, I just felt bad that they had to go on where they did. And this is, again, we were talking about the match order. Any match that went here was going to get murdered. And the fact that this match really didn't have anything other than the finish to to remember, I think made it the best option to have if you're going to have... You have to split the rumbles, otherwise people are too exhausted. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, putting Shane and the bar here, Shane and Miz and the bar here, would have killed that match. And no one would have given a crap about them winning. And they needed to have the energy for that match. Yeah. This match, I think... It's it sucks. It sucks to say it, but it really didn't need it as much. And by the time they got to the finish, which was a surprise finish, and that was the return of Eric freaking Rowan. What? 
Eric I Rowan comes out. I saw the crowd all stand up, all, not in unison, but almost like a wave. Yeah. Like everybody was sitting on their phones doing whatever, and then all of a sudden, almost like they're, they're doing the wave, all stand what? up and turn to the side and go, what? what? <laughs> Eric, the big-ass Rowan comes down the ramp and uh, walks over to the ring, starts hanging out ringside, and sure enough, as you'd expect, the ref goes down, Rowan gets in, choke slams AJ, and then Daniel Bryan puts him down for the one, two, three when the ref gets back up. Rowan is now siding with Daniel Bryan. He's he's dropped all the Legend Brothers stuff. He's not dropped the, the Wyatt family. He's coming out in like a plaid shirt now. Yeah, Lumberjack. We were making, we were making all kinds of jokes about like a hippie faction uh during the uh during the the chat. In fact, actually, uh, uh Lloyd Ward, one of our wrist listeners, Lloyd Ward had the uh, he coined the Vegan World Order for the name of their faction, <laughs> which I freaking love. I, w- I want to make a t-shirt. I posted like a little uh, cartoon of an angry carrot. I want to do like an angry carrot with a vegan world order for the new Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan uh, faction that they're going to create. No, I don't, I don't know where they're going with this. Maybe they're going with, the, with some sort of angry environmentalist faction. I don't know. But I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Eric Rowan is the, the enforcer. For Daniel Bryan, mm. John Michaels and Diesel, what? Yeah, something like that, sure. Or, yeah. or you know, anytime that someone smaller has been with the Big Show, yeah. I'm very curious, very curious to see where they're going with this. But that was the only interesting thing about this match. It was a cool off match, uh, and it sucks that it had to be that way. But I basically what I'm saying is, I understand. I understand. I, I, uh, I have nothing else really to add to everything you just said. It it is what it is. We'll see where it goes. And at this point in the Pickums, I still got a point lead on you. You still have a point lead on me. Oh, I still still got you by one. You still got me by one. Things are going downhill fast. I was terrified. I was terrified at this uh, at this point because uh, that ever since like the whole Becky Lynch thing went down, I was like, oh god, I don't have many opportunities to pull out the pickums. But then Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar happened for the Universal Championship, and it came down as to whether we were going to see the Demon or whether whether it was going to be Manfin. Manfin, what do you smell? Manfin. Well, I smelled Manfin. Oh, I smelled Manfin, and I got Manfin. Out came Finn Balor with no demon, no build-up to his song. Just bana, there he is. And as soon as that happened, I think we all knew what was going to happen in this match. Yep. But I'll be damned if they didn't make us wonder a few times, which at this point I think is the ultimate testament to whether or not a Brock Lesnar match is good is if at any point we go damn, maybe they will put it on the other guy. <laughs> and there's a couple times, I, I don't know about you, I, the couple times I went, what if they do put it on Manfin? I'll be shocked. I still think they should have. I kind of do too. I think I, said it, I, I think I said it during the show, which was if they want me to believe in the new era, if this whole like, hey, we're going to make changes and be better, if they wanted me to believe that in any kind of sense, they would have put the belt on Finn here and yeah. changed direction. Otherwise, I know it's just lip service. They just wanted to say something to get us to watch again. I, uh, I, I won't name names, but I received a text last night that I will read verbatim for you. Quote, if Lesnar ever drops the belt, I'll tune back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of where things are at right now. If you take the temperature of the universe, that's kind of where that's we, we all can collectively kind of go, eh, we watch it because, and we aren't invested in the Universal Championship because of him. And they, they wonder why raw ratings are dropping and all of that stuff. Yep. 
it, it all matters, writers and guys that are listening. It, it all, as I sit here and play with my Braun Strowman action figure, you know, <laughs> with my, uh, you know, whatever you call that weirdo. Uh, but no, it's it's true. Like they need to, they needed to shake it up, and they didn't. Yeah. They didn't shake. They didn't shake it up here at all. Uh, Shaking did, it up I mean, by, by giving it, taking it away from Braun and giving it to Finn, giving the opportunity. Okay, but much like you did with Razor and um, uh, Dawson at the beginning of the show. Okay, there's an opportunity. Shake things up a little bit. Nope. Yep. Keep it on Rudin. What are you doing? There's there's nothing that they've been doing since they made that announcement that it was a new era that makes me like we we said give them a month right. We said we're going to give them a month to see if they Let's actually give them make until any- after the rumble to kick things into gear going to mania. Yes. Yep. And I, here I, we are. I, I don't. Nope. They didn't. They didn't do it. Nope. They didn't do it. But that being said, there was not an F five finish here. It was a tap out finish. He got him in a in a in a nasty. What was it Kimura? The old, the old Kimura club. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Kimura lock. We, and by the way, if you've been online, you know we have a new Brock face. We have a new Brock face. Got him in that that Kimura lock, and he got the big wide eyes with the purple beat face turning red. It was oh oh gross. boy. I've seen several memes today already that are inappropriate to. Uh, oh, to I'm share. sure. You, just, oh, you, you put a you put a little Brazzers tag in the bottom of anything, and it, it makes it inappropriate. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, again, Finn did look really good in this. He got a lot of offense in on Brock. At one point, he shoved him into a table. Uh, the table corner hit Brock in the guts, and he they sold pointing that really up. well. Brock's when Brock wants to sell for you, he is one of the best sellers in WWE. Say what you will about the guy and his title reign. When he wants to work, he worked a match here, by the way. It wasn't suplex, 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 F5, F5, F5. He worked a damn match. He worked a damn match and he sold his ass off for Finn. So props to that. I will I will give credit where credit is due. Brock sold his ass off for Finn. And it made Finn look like a million bucks. It looked like Brock, Brock escaped. As opposed to some of them where he just mans up and F5s you and it's done. It genuinely felt like he escaped here. Yeah, because he came in with the coup de gras, was going into pin him, and uh, Brock just rolled around. Quick he, quick I, little shift and yeah. had him in the Camaro lock already. He did kick out of the coup de gras, which has happened a couple of times, but it, eh, that's one of those finishes I wish was protected a little bit more. Yeah. But, it uh, looks it's, silly it's if it's finished. not protected. It, it really does. Like you have to sell it like death. You have to let it be death. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, eh. He kind of okay. falls off. He kind of falls off you when he hits you. It doesn't really look that bad. Because <laughs> if he really did it to you, he'd break your damn ribs. Yep. That's not something that you can you can uh, mush that much and 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 be safe with. Like it's so it's Brock mm. Brock Lesnar is still the universal champion. Yep. And unfortunately, Nick, because this is the one where you took a flyer on Becky and it paid off. But the back half of the show, my son, you took a flyer on Finn Balor, and it cost you. It cost you big. First, you you said Finn was going to come out as the demon. It was a plus five, and then you said he was going to win the match. You had 1.5 points on this, Yeah, and it cost you, dropped you back down. But it raised me up because I said no Finn. I said man Finn, and I said Finn to win. I got I got more comments and messages and all around communication about my prediction that Finn was going to do that uh, in the last few days after our show last week mm-hmm. than I maybe have for anything else I've ever done. It was it was, big- it was funny thing people saying I never thought it was possible until I heard you yeah describe it the way that you did in the long game yep. of the way that you did. No, it made, it makes total sense. It and, would. I, and, uh, 
I, I was I, I there was no way in hell I couldn't just ride that one. You know, it was your logic it, was sound. Your yeah. logic was sound on it, and frankly, had they done it, it would have been the right decision. That place it would, would have, have come unglued. unglued. It would have oh lost my God. its mind. Mm-hmm. And you want something that'll bring back the fire that was left behind in the women's rumble match earlier? That's it. Right there. Holy cow. Yep. And that going into the men's match? And what happened in the men's match? Yep. You want to but talk again, about closing a show out, guys. You just I, you took yeah. all the air out of the room with another Brock Universal Championship victory. But again, and but you know, and luckily at least it was a decent enough match that the air wasn't completely taken out. People booed, but it wasn't like, you know, Roman Reigns losing boo, Brock Brock, Oh god, boo Brock. But here's the thing is that I agree. Your logic was sound. When I picked Finn Balor coming out as Manfin and Finn losing, I specifically said it's because I don't believe they'll pull the trigger on that. I don't. I believe that your booking logic is sound. It is the right thing to do, but they're not going to do it because, as we always say in the show, skeptically optimistic. Yeah, I was straight up pessimistic. I I just knew they weren't going. I didn't believe them. They have given me no other indication that they believe in this new era. I didn't think it was going to start here, and sadly, I was right. Hashtag new era, though. Am I right? Uh, no, you're not moving on to the men's <laughs> Royal rumble. Then we went to the men's Royal rumble. Good God. Another one. The show was so huge and it was already like nine 30 at this point or, or <laughs> 10 30 or something <laughs> like that. I'm just going, Jesus Christ. We got another yeah. 90 minutes on, on Eastern time. Yeah, no, I was, it was, whoa, it was long. And it was like, yeah, we got another, another hour, hour plus match men's Royal rumble time. Another one is going to be, it's tough to break down rumbles on these kinds of shows, Nick, uh, because it's hard to get all the uh, the nuances. But let's start off with how it opened. It opened up with the man who picked number one in the ring, Elias, Elias in the ring to, to come out. It was very, what, the one thing I thought was interesting here, he did his usual stick. Hey, everyone, it's me, Elias, walk with Elias, blah, blah, blah. He did throw a shot sideways at the Diamondbacks. They were at Chase Field, the, the Diamondbacks' home field. He threw a little jab at the Diamondbacks. I'm not mad if Face Elias keeps the gimmick of dissing the home sports team for cheap heat. Yes. Because now it's become like we're smiling while we're booing him. It's a thing now. I love it's it. It's a thing. Like, talk a little smack about the home team. I, I dug that. But then, number two, first surprise of the men's rumble, out comes Double J, Jeff Jarrett. What? In his ring gear from the 90s, which I was, it took me a second to to recognize because he fills it out very differently than he did in the 90s. Yeah, that's one way to put it. I went and poured acid in my eyes after I, seeing that. I, I'm still blind. I'm just, <laughs> I can't see. I, I see I'd rather be blind. I'm seeing see some, this again. Like some spots and some like, there's like little moments of light. But aside from that, I'm totally blind. <gasps> uh, yeah, no. Oh, God. He shouldn't be wearing that. No. But it was it was what we expected. It was a it was a stare down of the the musical acts, and uh, of course, at some point, it turned into physicality. They attacked each other, and the match began. Elias screaming at the crowd, "Why are you cheering me? I've been comparing to this guy my entire career. Why are you cheering him? Come on!" And of course, he ends up breaking a guitar over the back of Jeff Jarrett and tossing him out of the ring. A nice little passing of the torch, if you will. Yes. Uh, moving on, we had Shinsuke Nakamura coming out third, last year's winner, uh, followed by Kurt Angle and Big E, the first member of New Day to come out. So 
It was at this point in the chat, I think I said, because I was reflecting on the first 10 or 15 that came out for the Women's Royal Rumble, and I saw this and I went, I think I'm going to go take a nap for about 30 minutes, and then I'll come back. And Number six, Johnny Gargano. Okay, no, I'm back. never mind. I'll, I'm, back. I'm back. I'm here. I'm back. I'm, I'm, I'm back. What? Yep. Hello? What? Johnny Gargano? Uh, that Yeah, that was a good call. We we speculated on which NXT call-ups there were going to be. There were some that surprised me. Uh, there were some that I kind of raised an eyebrow on. Huh. All right. Cool. Gargano was one of the latter. I was like, ah, cool. Johnny Gargano. We'll see, what, we'll see what happens here. First thing he does, eliminate Jinder Mahal, who came out after him. Almost immediately. <laughs> Almost immediately. Nice. There were, there were several points where Santino's one-second record was at risk uh, <laughs> during this show. Yeah, Liv Morgan, I think, was uh, eight seconds or something like that. She was in and out uh, over in the women's. Jinder Mahal in and out here. But, uh, yeah, no, th- that was a cool moment for Johnny Gargano. Say what you will about Jinder Mahal. He is technically former uh, WWE champion. So it was, you know, it's a nice little, nice little moment for Johnny Gargano. Gargano was in for a while, too. Yeah, he was. He was in for, he was in for quite a while uh, and looked pretty good. And he ended up getting eliminated by Dean Ambrose, which is, I'm sorry, if Dean Ambrose kicks you out, you're doing all right. It wasn't like he got eliminated by, oh, I don't know, Kurt Hawkins who also was in this. Uh, Samoa Joe came out after Jinder Mahal, followed by Kurt Hawkins. Samoa Joe was, I think, the first legit monster in this match, and they made him look like an absolute beast. It's about time. Beast, yeah. It's funny. He didn't eliminate that many people, but he beat the crap out of a lot of people. It was, so it, it, the perception versus like what he actually did, it was good. They had some um, good time with Mustafa Ali. They had some great spots on the ropes uh, so again, trying to eliminate. You know, that was that was fun. Again, t- talking about storyline, right? The, the the ongoing stories that they have coming into this match. That was one that you could latch on to. Was Mustafa Ali coming out at number 13. Uh, Kurt Hawkins was followed by Seth Rollins at, out at 10, which made a lot of people who had called for Seth Rollins to question themselves. Titus O'Neil out at 11. Did a little joke with his world slide thing. Did not go into the ring. Until he saw Kurt Hawkins hiding under there and then chased him out. Uh, Kofi Kingston at 12. And as you said, Mustafa Ali at 13. So that was where we saw the first really big storyline besides the Kurt Hawkins uh, losing streak storyline really pick up. And that was Ali and Joe and their ongoing thing. Um, And they had some nice business, as you said. Yes. Some very nice business, really calling back to their feud. And ultimately, further on down the line in the, the Rumble, Ali ended up surprising and eliminating Joe, who immediately went Charles Shawn Michaels with one eye. Uh, <laughs> he was so angry about leaving one eye to started pointing the wrong direction. He was so angry about getting knocked out. Great. Set up for more feud between the two. Ali got his back. That's good stuff. I love that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dean Ambrose came out after Mustafa Ali to almost no fanfare but the, the one thing they did right was immediately once that he got in the ring he and seth began to pummel each other and i just i threw my hands up there where was this when they were still feuding where was that's what you needed every time these guys see each other they beat the crap out of each other come on yeah um let's not see, to no be one- outdone by Liv tyler uh, <laughs> or Liv morgan not Liv. Tyler. Liv morgan Liv tyler Liv Ty- <laughs> <laughs> uh Still in no a way, Lord Jose of the Rings land. and the Conga land. Conga oh, line comes out. Ugh. Uh, to, to, to a lot of like raised eyebrows and going, what? Really? Okay. Gets yep, in somewhat. immediately eliminated. I have to go back and check the timing and the records. I think he may have been in there for a second or less. 
I think we're going to have to go down to like the 10th of a second to compare just how long No Way Jose was in there because I think he could have a case for challenging Santino's one-second record. By the way, I have to correct myself. I said Joe didn't eliminate that many people. He actually eliminated three. Three, uh, I remember. Which ties uh, Seth Rollins and uh, Drew McIntyre also both eliminated three people. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So, Joe did, did have a good showing. He did have a very good showing just across the board before being eliminated. Um, but yeah, no way Jose did not. And as on his way back out, he got murdered by the next guy out, which was Drew McIntyre, who cut his way through the conga line like a hot knife through butter, murdering all these dancers. That was my favorite part of the whole thing because I can't, I, man, I love no way Jose. I love what he did in, in NXT. He is a good worker, but the conga, the, the whole dancing line gimmick has come and gone multiple times and I've hated it every time and i feel awful for the poor guy who saddled with it uh like i do just for poor uh adam rose poor adam rose yeah uh who apparently is doing much better right now hopefully he comes back at some point imagine that without a a conga line gimmick xavier woods out at 17 followed by pete dunn the uk championship who came out and by the way they made him look like a million bucks he was standing on. He broke Drew McIntyre's. He, he put all uh, fingers. He he put a lot of people down right off the bat. I saw someone online compare him to female Oscar, and that's the best way I can describe his booking here. He came out and looked like a little buzzsaw. He well, looked. I want to talk about his actual when he came out and it was revealed that he was coming out next. You heard that jing, 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 yeah. that riff that's at the beginning. Uh-huh. I'd love to talk to Jacob. I don't remember about it if he said anything in the chat, but from my perspective, and I had the music cranked during this, the volume cranked during this match, um, because I wanted to hear crowd reactions to certain superstars appearing. Yes. That place exploded when he yeah. came out. Now, there's an interesting part here that the reason I bring this up. There's oftentimes we make the comments about the mainstream audiences at the TV shows. Yes. Not uh, not knowing anything outside of the main roster. Here we have a baseball stadium, a very fancy baseball stadium full of nearly 50,000 people. And the place exploded for a guy that has he even been on the main roster? Or if he has, yes, he's been he on was pay-per-view. On he was on Raw Very, once. very little. But that place exploded as if he was WWE champion. You, I mean, here's the thing. They've they've talked him up a lot. He's been champ for over 600 days. You tend to start knowing who the guy is after a certain point. You know what I mean? You either either yeah. by hearing about him or something. So, yeah, he's I, he's pretty ubiquitous at this point. Huge ovation, and huge I'm, ovation. I'm so happy for him. I remember and, watching when he was having those original matches with Tyler Bate and going, ah, "Is this guy going to be able to pull it off?" Man, he's pulled yep. it off. Big time. Fantastic. Big time. He tweeted about how he's wrestled in front of two people in a field in England. And yesterday was the biggest show he's ever been in front of 48,000 people. So wow. props. Good, good job, him. I listened to him on Edge and Christian recently, and he's just seems like a really down to earth, head in the right place kind of guy. So I'm really happy for him. Also, big, uh, big ovation for Andrade, who was out next. Excuse me, Andrade Cien Almas. I refuse. I'm not going to call him just Andrade. God damn it. Andrade out next, followed by Apollo Cruz, And then after that, my biggest surprise of the men's rumble, I did not think they were going to pull the trigger on this. Me either. Just, be, just because of his entrance. But yeah. yet they, but yet, by the way, Nick, I, they pulled it off. They pulled off an entrance that made him look cool as hell. Just the camera work and the mist. Alistair freaking Black came out next. 
And I he, wanted. I remember uh, specifically saying in the in the in our BWO group, we had this conversation that Aleister Black would not come out during the Rumble. Yeah, because his entrance is such an event. It's such a a thing that needs to be done right and be punched home. Yes, the uh, the first time uh, opening as a, as a surprise, maybe the Raw after WrestleMania. I would have been all over. Oh, yeah. it. it would have been perfect to as an unveil. But no, here I oh. Now, that said, huge ovation. He got in there yep. and whipped ass and black masked the hell every, out of everybody. He, he black masked Dean Ambrose, of all people, out of the ring. Dean Ambrose. They had him eliminate Dean freaking Ambrose. A, a, a multi, a, a, he, Dean Ambrose has held every damn title there is. <laughs> That's incredible. So, no, big, big, big look for uh, Alistair Black. Again, like you, I was I was very surprised to see him. I'm obviously happy to see him, but I agree. I think that it might have been a better idea to save his entrance or his his first appearance for some time where you could really give him that mystique. Uh, so they did. They they lost that in favor of just having him come out. It's it, honestly, at the end of the day, it's it'll fine. be fine. They could still do it'll that after WrestleMania. Yeah. It'll be fine. Uh, up next, out at 22, number 22, Shelton. Shelton. Benjamin. Benjamin, who has put on some meat. That boy is bulking. We used up. to call him a human muscle anyway. Now he's really, Dude. really getting there. Man, you put him and Apollo and and uh, 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 Bobby, Bobby Lashley, Lashley in a row, and it's kind of like seeing Mustafa Ali, Seth Rollins, and Drew McIntyre. <laughs> like they're fine, like they're like, po- they're like Pokemon. They're like the yeah. different levels of Pokemon, uh, like Frieza. Anyway. Nerd moment aside, uh, out at number 23, everyone's favorite, Baron Corbin. Boo! Boo, Baron Corbin. Boo, Baron, boo. Boo, boo this man. Um, And uh, he eliminated uh, both Apollo Crews and, to the chagrin of everyone there, Aleister Black. Uh, Boo! Boo this man. Boo this man. Jeff Hardy also came out. Uh, Ray Mysterio out of 25, followed by Bobby Lashley, who we just referenced, who was in and out very quickly in and then couldn't tell if it was a botch or legit, but he he fell out and on the sidelines was taken out by Seth Rollins, who he attacked and then put through a table and Rollins was over there laying for a while. Yeah, when Lashley uh, which, was eliminated, he jumped. O- he went over the ropes, landed on the apron and then just kind of jumped off. It yeah, was it was very, weird. very awkward. <laughs> very awkward. Awkward elimination, but eh, whatever. Uh, out next, 27, Braun Strowman, who we'd found out earlier in the show, had been subbed in for John Cena, who was quote-unquote injured. Number 28 was a bit of a surprise, too, because he'd been tweeting that he was on break all weekend. Dolph Ziggler returning after getting beaten up by Drew McIntyre in a cage, and he returned, and he eliminated Drew McIntyre. This Which was, was the most very surprising. This was the most egregious thing. Well, <laughs> not the second. Wait, what? Yeah, okay. Second most egregious thing that happened in this match. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know if I really want to see more Ziggler McIntyre. I no, think I'm I don't. sick of it. It's done. They should have moved on from it. The fact that they have reignited this somehow by having Ziggler be the one that eliminates McIntyre and making him look like a little bit like a chump. Is is mm, that is not the way to do this, guys? Considering McIntyre was a very strong favorite to win this, it was very curious. It was very curious, and then ultimately Ziggler ended up in the final four. Final four was Andrade, Ziggler, Strowman, and and uh, Seth Rollins. So that was a a very interesting decision to have Ziggler be there for that. We also had uh, at number twenty nine Randy Orton, and at number thirty we had as as expected our truth. 
but no. And now we're going to have some fun, kids, because Nick is about to have his head explode. Again. What were you saying about Mustafa Ali's eye turning involuntarily to one side? Samoa Joe's eye, but yes, that ladies and gentlemen, that uh, that small popping sound that you may have heard last night uh, at about eleven Eastern time was Nick's head exploding like the dude from Scanners when Nia Jax came out, laid out our truth, and made her way to the ring to enter herself inexplicably without any logic into the men's Royal Rumble match. Wow. So, obviously, controversial. Controversial, but at the same time, they were positioning it like it was a historic moment. She's only the fourth woman to ever have been in a men's Royal Rumble match. China, Beth Phoenix, and... Um, oh, darn it. I'm <laughs> Jacqueline? No, it wasn't Jacqueline. I'll, I'll think of it. Uh, but uh, she uh, now the fourth woman in the in the Royal Rumble, uh, and sh- and this is the thing we've talked about. This is there's a couple of things to talk about here. I want you to talk about your feelings about Nia Jax being in this match, her her being the woman that was allowed to be in this match. What did you think about that? I think in the group I had said something about how you know fun, crazy fantasy booking. You know, we could see Becky lose, not have Charlotte win the women's rumble, and then in an interesting plot twist, somehow Becky Lynch comes in for our truth and somehow mm-hmm. mysteriously pulls out the win in the men's Royal Rumble. So when I when I saw Naya come out at the end, I'm like, that's not what I said. <laughs> I said the man. I, no, I said the man, not Naya. God see, damn it! I know you listen, but that's not what are- I said. They are, they listen to you, Nick, and just like me with my Becky with my certainty that uh, Rusev was going to retain on the pre-show. They heard your certainty, and they said, "Oh no, Nick! Oh no! Here you go, buddy. Have yourself." I don't know what the Nia hell Jax. this was, guys. I don't. I don't. Why? What is the point? Dolph Ziggler eliminating McIntyre. <laughs> why? Nia Jax coming out. And and eliminating what did she eliminate? Two, three people? I can't remember. I know she eliminated uh, a Baron Corbin, which was fine. That's hilarious. I actually, for a moment there, when she eliminated Baron Corbin, I thought they were going to turn her face. I thought they were like, oh, this is their way of making people like her again after this whole thing was have Becky beat her up uh, and win the Rumble, and then all is forgiven because you eliminated Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm, uh, I love I love equality. I she love also eliminated, but then she eliminated Mustafa Ali, and I was like, oh no, never mind. I love equality. I'm, I love everything it stands for. I believe everybody should get equal pay, equal chance. This is not the way this should have gone down. Um, and this was more or less. Now, what I will say, what was by the, the way, point? we're wrong. We're wrong. Corbin eliminated. Corbin was eliminated by Strowman. Um, Sorry, Nia came in and was beating up some of the heels, and that's why I thought they were turning her face. And then she threw she Ali. 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 Mustafa she, threw Ali. Out, she threw out Ali, and I'm like, that's no, right. never mind. <laughs> never <Yeah>. mind. <laughs> She's still a heel. <laughs> so if this was just some sort of weird spot in order for the remaining superstars that are the legendish superstars that are trustworthy. Ray, Ray Mysterio, Randy Orton, um, Andrade, and Ziggler were all in the ring. Strowman was selling outside, and Rollins was selling outside at the time. Just for them to be able to put her finishers, their finishers on her. Which as a did. as a spot fest sort of thing in at the end of the match, she ate a super kick followed by eating a six one nine followed by eating 
a freaking RKO. Yeah, there's there's a still image of that RKO, and Randy is laid out flat. Oh, it's, it was it's beautiful, it, dude. I know I, I'm actually going to have that still image printed and hang it on the wall. <laughs> By the way, I, interesting she segue sold them really and, well. and, and she announcement sold them here. Before we get to the end result of this match, I do oh, want Lord. to go over. Um, I did make a commitment during the chat for uh, this the, during this match. Once we get to 20 patrons on Patreon, you guys can't see it right now because we're not live, but we are very adamantly working on the technology pieces to take the live stream performance to the next level. I committed that when we get to 20 patrons, patreon.com slash BWO, when we get to 20 patrons, I will build a visible shrine behind me to Nia Jax, starting with a single poster. Yep. And every time I lose the pickums on every pay-per-view going forward, I will add some sort of element or tchotchke or a, ni- a Nia Jax picture of my choice to your Oh, to your so shrine. now it has to... Okay, so of your oh, choice, yeah. fine. I'm winning. Okay. I got to get something fine. out of this. Fine. Besides 20, just the shot in Freud. Besides yeah, the I put it on Freud all of you listeners you. to get us there so that this can be delivered. <laughs> I don't think you've ever wished for less patrons in your life, Nick. Well, true. <laughs> anyway, yes, Nia Jax did eat the finishers of three different guys in this match, which immediately, of course, sparked the debate about intergender wrestling, which we haven't seen in a long time. By the way, um, I finally remembered it was Karma, who was the third woman who was in there. Uh, oh, yeah. I kept I kept thinking Asia Kong, Awesome Kong, and of course, that is Karma's other name. But um, yeah, so here we, here we are now back in the place where we need to talk about, is it okay for there to be physicality between women wrestlers and male wrestlers. Um, And obviously there's been the mixed match challenge over the last year or two where we've seen female wrestlers get physical with the men, but the men not get physical with the women. Here we have a match where Nia Jax ate three finishers, um, which is about as much like that. She's taken some physicality. She took an RKO. Um, So... Is that acceptable is, I think, the big debating point. And we have, frankly, Nick, we have a, a lot of show to get to and not a lot of time left. So maybe this isn't the time to really get into that. I, I should more just point out that this the WWE is now apparently turning into the, uh, yes, we will allow some intergender wrestling in our product. I think done right in the right place. Again, this is choreographed entertainment. I think yep. done right in the right place, it's totally fine. Hashtag equality, right? So I, 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 if she wanted to come out as the big bruiser of the women's division and be like, hey, men, I can do what you do too. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yep. You know, reap what you sow. Well, she was beating, <laughs> Hashtag she was beating out dudes of up nowhere. She yeah. was beating dudes up in there. She and was. frankly, you now have two of the biggest proponents of uh intergender wrestling from the independent scene working for wwe obviously kaylee ray's not there or um uh oh darn i'm forgetting her name uh but you've got you have mia mia yim and um uh you've got candace LeRae, both in wwe now who are very well known for doing intergender ma- matches in the indies yep so it wouldn't surprise me if they're not going to, to mention start- oscar not to mention Oscar. Very good point. Yeah, very good point. Not to mention freaking Oscar. So a lot of women who have done intergender matches before WWE and are you know able to pull it off, as you said, if done in the right way. 
and we've we've definitely been guys who have been proponents of it. Well, you know, also Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai. We're talking about. Uh, I was about to bring up Lucha Underground, where they had intergender matches that they were often were done right. Yeah, and both of them were in an intergender match with Pentagon Dark on Lucha Underground. So there Fair you point. go. Yep. So obviously a discussion for another day, but it's very interesting to note that WWE apparently is now okay with intergender wrestling. Nia Jax did ultimately get eliminated by Rey Mysterio after that sequence of finishers. Mysterio then eliminated by Orton. Orton eliminated by freaking Andrade Cien Almas, by the way. Wow. I would not mind an Almas Orton program, if I'm being completely honest. I, they'd have to turn Andrade's uh, face, which it looks like they might be on the road to doing, because good God, that guy is over right now. Like He has, he has proven to everybody how amazing he is, and he's getting, he's getting the, uh, the attention to do it. So uh, Andrade in the final four, like we said, along with Strowman, Ziggler, and Seth Rollins. We'll make, we'll make a long story short, too late. Seth Rollins ends up winning the whole thing, stomps Braun Strowman off of the uh, the edge of the ring in, in an identical uh, spot from last year's Women's Royal Rumble finish, but whatever. Seth Rollins is your winner. Not mad at Rumble. it at all. No. Honestly, I, as we said, he's the smart choice. Strowman would have been the boring choice to go against Brock Lesnar again at WrestleMania. Seth Rollins is the smart choice here. And you had picked... Um, uh, McIntyre. You had picked McIntyre. Which is why you were so mad when he got eliminated by by Ziggler. Of all I, people, of all I, I mean, had picked. I'm not Braun mad that Strowman. he got eliminated. Uh, I yeah, I'm how. mad that it was Ziggler. It was just how. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, would, I wanted it to be Seth or Braun. If I'm being completely honest, I think that would have made a lot a little more sense. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see where they go with it. But uh, the bottom line is, I was being pessimistic again and thinking that we were going to see Brock and Braun at Rumble or at Mania, excuse me, and Braun was going to win the Rumble. But when it came down to Seth and Braun at the end, I was like, oh, God. But nope, Seth Rollins. So I, what, So here we are at the end of the whole thing. I win the Pickums, came back from near defeat because of your amazing pick for the Becky Lynch storyline. But uh, what, how did you feel this was as a rumble? I, I've, heard, I've heard both online. How did you feel about this rumble? I was fine until after the women's rumble. I feel like the card was way out of order. I really do. Really? Yeah. I, I just I would not have put it in this order at all. I would not have closed with the men's Royal Rumble. That's as hot think, as the women's yeah. division is right now, and as a little cooled off as the men's is, especially circling Brock and AJ and D. are doing. They're going to do their thing. Whatever. It doesn't matter what they're doing with the WWE Championship. As hard as that is for me to hear myself say. Uh. Um, I, I think that they're, they, if they could have flip-flopped these, done the men's earlier, and done the women's last, and closed out with Becky Lynch standing tall, going to the trademark, pointing yep. at the WrestleMania sign, closing it out, I would go, oh my God, that was the most amazing pay-per-view I've ever seen. Mm. I would have been left on that high. Or if it had been Finn Balor going over Brock Lesnar finally sure. as the demon, you know? Sure. Oh, my God! Do you think no. this is their way of saying that we that they consider Seth Rollins a bigger star than Becky Lynch still? By putting this, this last? Is that what they're trying to tell us here? I don't know. I, I, you know, I think there's this perception that the men's is more important than the women's or it's been going for long 32 years and the women's, this is only the second one. I, I don't know. I don't know the reasoning behind it. None of it makes any sense to me because all of your action right now 
especially on SmackDown, is in the women's division. If not, the entire effing roster has everything to do with Becky Lynch and the things circling around her. Um, things might pick up now with uh, with Sasha and, and and Alexa being back and a couple more other things. I'm, you know, see, we'll see what happens on Raw. It might pick back up, but Maybe. I know what you're saying. I know what you're Maybe. saying. Maybe. We'll see um, here in another hour or so. One more thing before we get to TakeOver. Uh, so Brock Lesnar beat the crap out of Finn Balor after their match. Okay. And some people are saying that that is a sign that there will be more between them. Do you think there is a chance between now and WrestleMania we'll see Demon Balor versus Brock and then it will be Balor versus Rollins at WrestleMania? I mean, if it happens, maybe I'll just say I was too soon. <laughs> I, it, it's inevitable to me that it feels inevitable. I frankly don't think we'll see Brock Lesnar again until Mania. It's unfortunate, yep. it, but it is what it is. I, I tend to agree with you. It's the reason I wanted him off or the belt off of him. A year ago, it's is this part-time shit's getting old. And we've all spent the year of 2018 bitching about it. And Roman Reigns has spent the year of 2018 bitching about it. But it doesn't seem to be making a difference. So, F you, WWE Universe. Brock's keeping the title. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. I certainly wouldn't be mad if they did pull the trigger on that. But as I said, pretty pessimistic about it. But one yep. thing I'm not pessimistic about was NXT TakeOver Phoenix. Takeover Phoenix kicked things off with a very interesting opening ceremony. I wasn't sure what to make of this until I kind of put two and two together. Oh, they're opening with the war. Oh, bunch of it Vikings. Took me a minute. Yeah, bunch of Vikings came out on stage and were were chanting, and it was lots of smoke and very spooky. Yuki, Yuki. I think I think something happened backstage because it went on a little too long. Uh, and then the War Raiders came up out of the floor, and they kind of ran up like, oh, crap, huh? kind of ran up out of the floor. <laughs> but it was, it was still cool. I, I don't think it took away too much from it. It was cool as hell. War, War Raiders entering like a bunch of Viking gods walked to the ring by the bunch of their Viking soldiers banging their shields. Uh, and they had their match with Undisputed Era for the Tag Team Championships. Which was, so here's the problem. NXT has a long storied history of absolutely roof-raising, barn-burning tag team matches. And I would have to say this is another one. But it's not the best one. And it's, I'd say, a ways from some of the best ones. I mean, it's hard, but to, it not, was, it's hard to not go after those Undisputed Era and Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, Mustache Mountain matches. Those and well, God, DIY versus AOP versus oh, the God. revival. I oh, mean, yeah. even even freaking the VOD villains and Enzo and Cass had good matches. All right, like we've there's a long storied history of tag teams overperforming. Uh, Lorcan and Birch tearing things up with Undisputed Era. Like there's a there's a ton of great tag team matches in history in NXT history. This was a really really good one. This was really, really freaking good. And the thing I can say the most about it, to compliment it the most, is I think the audience wasn't 100% behind the wall waiters when they first started this match because just their gimmick's kind of goofy. They've turned a little too hard into this Viking thing, frankly. Well, I got a newsflash for you. They are now. They're, they're over now. Yeah. <laughs> this match sold the crowd on them. They, they pulled out a lot of the stuff I haven't seen them do since they were War Machine in Japan. And they did a lot of crazy big strength moves. And, and Good God, uh, Hanson. Like, Hanson seriously, dude. is too big to be that nimble. Um, 
And of course, Undisputed Era, we know are incredible. They're going to put on a good match. War Raiders stepped up to the game and surprisingly won. They won the gold. They won it clean. They kicked out of the over-under and won the, the finishing move, and they won. I was definitely I'll just, shocked. I'll just, I'll just flip my hair out of the way so you can pat me on the shoulder for that one. I, I will, seeing as you look remarkably like Hanson with more hair on the top of your head. <laughs> Good point. Uh, Good point. Uh, but <laughs> that beard of his, though, is, I'll never achieve that greatness. I don't know, man. You're well on your way. Yeah, the, it's the getting thing, there. The thing on your face right now is, is intimidating to someone like me. Yeah, but me what about can, my beard? I, I look like I look like uh, Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean with mange. But uh, the, so the Undisputed Era just lost the tag titles. Now, they've been bragging recently that they're going to end 2019 draped in gold. How do you think this works for that? Like, do you think the War Raiders are going to move on and have a long, long reign? Or are they just getting them over for right now? Uh, and then it'll get the titles will come back to Undisputed Era at some point. How, how are they going to work this? I think the only reason those two guys are in NXT is because they saw them as immediate NXT champion tag champions. And the fact that they could go straight to the main roster tomorrow, like yeah. they could show up on raw tonight and I would believe it. And they'd be, over, they'd be just as over with a similar kind of entrance and that yeah. war, and, war, and- war, just crowd chance and all that stuff. And they'd be they'd probably fare a lot better on the main roster than heavy machinery, who are well on their way to becoming the new bushwhackers at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, agreed. And I, I'm very curious to see where they go with both of these teams. As we said, the tag team division in NXT is stacked. So now that we have a face tag team on top, it'll be curious to see what heel team steps up, or if there's more between Undisputed Era and War Raiders. We are I think heading there's down. More. I think there's more. Next takeover is going to be WrestleMania weekend. So yeah. whatever it is, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a big match, whatever it is. Uh, next up, we had Matt Riddle versus Cassius Ono. This is the third time the two of them have faced off. There was the six-second match at the last takeover where Matt Riddle KO'd Cassius Ono immediately. They had a match in between that, which Matt Riddle won, and Cassius Ono turned on him during a handshake afterwards, or sorry, a fist bump afterwards. So this is the, this is the uh, sort of a rubber match, but except that it's not one and one But... Uh, I this match suffered from following the tag match, I think. Yeah. But do you, do you think that because it got really stiff, like I, the slow mo captures on this match were absolutely hard to watch. Like there was one point, Cassius, I thought kicked Matt Riddle's teeth clean out of his head. I thought his jaw was going to come off. Like he 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 kicked him right in the mush, right open no, you, mouth, everything. He split his lip open. Like the yep. slow motion, you saw his shoe split Matt Riddle's lip and just completely connect with his teeth. Yeah. It was it was rough. And there's a lot of things in this match that were hard to watch, not least among them Cassius Ono getting Matt Riddle in a hold and biting his big toe, putting his <laughs> entire big toe in his mouth and biting on it. Uh, 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 appropriately, the audience chanted, you sick fuck, yeah. which was the only <laughs> thing, the only thing I could think. So, Here's the thing. I, I, do you think I, I'm trying to figure out what made this match a little underwhelming? Because I, I, a lot of stuff I, I liked. I know about what it. it is. I know what it is. Riddle, Riddle works really well with the big guys, but I want somebody that can work his style. I okay. need somebody. I, I would love to see him and Alistair Black have a match. Oh God! Uh, the tall, lanky guys that are strikers. I would love to see that. Uh, I would love to see him and Johnny Gargano have a, a grapple off. 
You know, I would love to see him have people that can wrestle his style. Now, those are the big main eventers. He'll get there eventually. I'm going to go um, show you some old, old Evolve matches where they all fight each other. Oh, uh, sure. But I, that's my point is that I don't think Cassius Ono is the right person to pair him with. As we've said many times, he's the gatekeeper of NXT, and they even did a whole video package where they're try- he's trying to shun that image. But what's crazy is, is that Cassius, when he back when he was Chris Hero on the Indies, and Matt Riddle have had matches before, and they've torn the house down. They can have good matches. To your point, I think the, the problem here wasn't that they, the, the styles don't mesh. It's that they booked this like in the WWE quote-unquote style where the heel beats down the face for most of the match, and then the face is a comeback. And I think that that wasn't the right form for this match. It didn't make sense to have Matt Riddle look so vulnerable for so long and have Cassius beat him down the way that he did. It wasn't believable given what we know about both guys. It would have made more sense if they were trading the entire time. And I don't yeah. think the audience uh, quite got into this, the, the, this, the match the way that it was, it was done here. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think, I think Riddle still has to have his signature match. I don't think he's had it yet. And I think no. they were trying to get it out of Cassius and... Unfortunately, I don't think that was what it was here. I'm curious what they do with Cassius now that he has been, unfortunately, as you said, established once again as the gatekeeper for NXT. I think Dijak might be his next opponent. Uh, Dijakovic, you mean? I mean Dijak. (laughs) Dijakovic? Dijakovic. Yep, yep. So we both both picked this one. Um, So you are now at two and one on me. And... uh, Moving on to Johnny Gargano versus Ricochet. I, I need to take a moment, Nick. I, I, need, to, I need to take a moment. Uh, this was my favorite match of the weekend. Hands down. Bar none. This, I, I've been thinking about this match ever since. This, this is like the most... I mean, it's not the best match I've ever seen, but it's one of the best matches I've seen in a long time. Yeah. It's the... Between... Okay, I'm going to get comfortable here. <sighs> Between the selling, the ring work, the psychology, the facial expressions, the storytelling, the athleticism, the freakish athleticism, the combinations, the reversals, the work rate, and the fact that you had a guy working essentially semi-heel and getting over and winning a match while feeling like it was a cheat but not really taking anything away from the face while the face looked dominant the entire match um, and the heel squeaked out a victory, it was all perfection. Perfection. Absolutely incredible. I, I couldn't say it better myself. This, this was my favorite match of the weekend, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, same. Yeah. And, and, and the thing that I want to point out here as well is one thing that people have long criticized Ricochet in particular about is that he's a spot monkey who doesn't sell. Flippy Flippy shit. He doesn't tell a story, right? He doesn't tell a story in the ring. He told a damn story here, yeah. and he sold like death. The way, he, so if you watch, the way that he rolls up onto his tiptoes when he takes a super kick or some kind of uh, high hit, something along those lines, it, it just he sells it so the way he falls, the way he can just ragdoll and just fall straight down. I think it, it's, the, it's brilliant. It's a clinic. This was an absolute clinic. In wrestling, his immediate selling was. isn't what's usually uh, uh, criticized. It's his long term selling. Like if if he's if he's kicking oh, the face, I see what a bunch you of, mean. he doesn't sell yeah. the face. You know what yeah. I mean? Whereas in this one, he sold punishment. He sold he sold the accruement of punishment here. 
So in that sense, it was it was really well done by him. We know Johnny Gargano can put on a clinic. We've seen him do it in NXT a bunch. This was definitely, I think, much more of an eye-opener for Ricochet. But it was also great seeing Ricochet turn his style into a believable offensive mo- set of moves where you didn't think he was flip doing flippy stuff just to show off. This is just how he puts offense on people. And to watch him psychologically work out what's the best way to attack this guy while using the abilities that I have. He had a, a, a step-up moonsault outside uh, where you could see him go, I could just jump on him, but if I run and jump up high, I'll have more impact. And it, made, it did make more logical sense that he would do it. There was one point where he goes for his 630 finisher off of the corner turnbuckle. Johnny rolls away. He goes for a move in the ring. Johnny rolls away. He goes to the outside. Ricochet goes for a for a, a springboard to the outside. He goes for a um, uh, splash to the outside. Johnny moves, so he doesn't do it. Ricochet is, you know, Johnny's moving away from him, and he hides behind the turnbuckle on the outside, behind the ring post. And Ricochet looks up and goes, he can't even hide from me there. He gets the facial expression on his face, runs leapfrogs over the damn turnbuckle to the outside and splashes Gargano on the outside with a front flip. Dear God. The the crowd went nuts for this. It was such a simple sequence, but they sold it so well, and the storytelling there was so well done that we understood the psychology of both guys. It made Johnny look smart, and it made Ricochet look like he was capable of getting anybody anywhere. It made him look dangerous. Absolutely freaking brilliant match. There's no um, match on the main Rumble card that I have any kind of curiosity or inclination to go watch a second time. I can't wait to sit down and watch the Gargano Ricochet match again. I, I, can't, I, I, I might like go to, do it tonight instead of watching Raw. Becky Asuka, I'll watch again. Sasha Ronda, I'd watch again. Um, this one, absolutely. I've been wanting to watch this again since it happened. It's, yeah. I, I've been going over it again and again in my mind. I also like the fact that they made Johnny's heel turn evolve by having him be unable to win. He could not take down Ricochet through normal means, so he went out and pulled up the uh, the mats by the ring the same way that Ciampa always did to him. And sure enough, he had to put Ricochet down on that uh, concrete outside and then plant him with the DDT inside in order to pick up the win. Johnny Gargano is your new North American champion. So the takeaway here is that in order to pull off the victory because he couldn't close, they sold that over and over again. He had to resort to his worst enemy's tactics. Brilliant. In order to get... Wow. Brilliant. Wow. Kept Ricochet looking strong because he got planted in the concrete. Don't get back up from that. It made him... He looked good in defeat. So, yeah. All around, fantastic. Uh, The next match of the night was Shayna Baszler versus Bianca Belair for the women's championship match. Do you think they booked this match appropriately for to to keep both of them looking strong? Because you ha- obviously Bianca Belair coming in with a ton of uh, momentum, looking like an absolute beast. Shayna Baszler is Shayna Baszler. Do you think that they did this match right or was something wrong here? No, Shayna needs to be on the main roster. All three of them do. Uh with Shafir and, and Duke. Oh, I'm expecting some kind of heel turn out of Ronda if she sticks around to for in order for Shayna and the other two to show up on Raw so that we can have and and Sasha's even hinting at it by fl- flashing the four. Sure. So I, my reason for calling Belair here was because I thought Shayna Baszler would end up in the Royal R- Women's Royal Rumble match. She get called up now. Yeah, she'd get called up now, 
And then when they finally reveal her, they could even have a program if they wanted to where Shayna was either antagonizing Rhonda and kind of slowly turning her, you know? This this could be brilliant. No, we're gonna, we're gonna have Sasha Banks and, and Nia, probably Nia Jax again yeah. before we do something even remotely interesting. Well, I don't think Shafir and Duke are ready yet. They still have a long ways to go. Doesn't so I, I learn I, as they go. I I know? understand what you're saying, but I, I I didn't see that happening. Also, they haven't established that Shayna uh, has these two women who will come in and interfere for her, except for the like once on TV and then once with the Kyrie Sane match. We have. I think really they've established it. that plenty. Uh, not not enough. Not enough. I didn't. They were see in it. her corner when she had the face off with Belair before the match last week. But as far as having them be people that would run interference for her, that was not locked down, and that's why I picked Shayna here. Was I felt like they needed to have that interference, and sure enough, the two of them did interfere. To and the thing was. The interference wasn't even necessary. I felt like it was too bad that they had to have interference because the match I thought was going fine without it. It was a they, they, they didn't have a lot of chemistry. I thought it was a little clunky at times. Yeah, but you know they're both they're both fine. This talented. I'm not too worried about it. Um, not Shayna's or Belair's best match by a long shot, but. I thought the interference took away from the match and it didn't play into the finish at all. It wasn't like they distracted Bianca Belair. Shayna Baszler locked on the Kirafuda clutch. And Belair kept standing up out of it, and Shayna just could not put her down. Had to switch arms on her because she got so tired from trying to choke her out. Yeah. So Belair ends up looking like an absolute monster for keeping on standing up out of the Kirafuda clutch, and Shayna still looks like a monster because she ended up putting her down anyway. So I, I, I actually thought this it was fine at the end of things. It just these poor women coming after that Gargano and that Ricochet match. Not just was, the women. It's just, it's just, it was too bad. But I know where you're going, but before we get there, <laughs> there's one thing I want to address, and that is that on the pre-show, Sam Roberts, who has the most tragic beard and hair combination I've ever seen in my life right now, he looks like uh, like Dean Ambrose has like a, an anemic younger brother who had a kid with Sideshow Bob. It reminded me of the Team America protagonist character puppet where they put him, quote, in the transmorgification. Yeah. Where they, they put him, the, the valmorphosize. That's what it was. And they put the patchy bits of beard all over yeah. his face to have him go in in disguise. That's what it made me feel like. It made yep. me feel like the episode of Beavis and Butthead titled Beards, where they yep. shave their hair and, pa- and glue it onto their face. It looked like Sam Roberts shaved an undercut into his head, took that curly fro hair, and glued it to his beard. I just... Oh, as a, as a man with a very large beard, it looked very fake. As it a man very... with a ter- as a man with a terrible beard, I was I was mad at him. I was angry. At him. Um, <laughs> That's not supposed so, to look that way. But he talked smack about Bianca Belair. He said, "I don't think she's ready for this. I don't think that she, it's it's appropriate to have her in this title match. I don't think that she is of the caliber of performer who can be in this kind of match." People lit up on him. Lit, and I I I am ninety five percent sure it's a work, but. I I don't know why they would do that work. I think they were trying to make it seem her seem like more of an underdog, and then impress with her work in the ring. But man. maybe much like the same way Vince was doing with Finn on Raw, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which also I thought was a dumb thing because then when Finn loses, it proves Vince right. It's like, well, 
Why would well, you? I tried to tell you, dummy. That's the dumbest narrative. It's the dumbest narrative to do that. Anyway, all right, we'll move on. We don't have a lot what of time. What did you expect? It's Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a lot of time to talk about that. Um, let's see. Anyway, what, I, I was say, I, what I was saying before was it's hard to follow that Gargano and Ricochet match. Uh, as, and it's not just the women's match. Aleister Black and Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT Championship. I I have to say I was I was watching it and it was fine. They they were they were doing their jobs. Go back it, it and watch that fine. match. Watch that match without watching any other match around it, and it's a fantastic match. I want it's, to because I feel the same way after I felt after I saw the women's rumble match. I didn't enjoy most of the rest of the Rumble World Rumble pay per view. So burnt, yeah, you're so burnt out because I was just like, oh god. <laughs> and it felt the same way after that Ricochet Gargano match on Saturday yep. night. Exhausted, exhausted. Um, so yeah, Alistair Black, Tommaso Ciampa, uh, they did do a good job of contrasting this to the earlier matches where instead of being the high flying and and much more fast paced match that you had with Ricochet and Gargano, this was Tommaso Ciampa working Alistair Black's leg, which can be hit or miss. You know, it, it does kind of hurt the match when one of your really incredible competitors can't really go because he's selling a leg injury, but... And his one thing is knee strikes and a leg kick. And leg kicks. But that <laughs> being said, from a psychological standpoint, it did work. It made Ciampa look like a, a very smart, dastardly heel. Uh, he kept going for the leg, kept going for the leg, and ultimately, even though Aleister Black kicked out of freaking, what, two or three of his finishers, of his, of the, of, of fairy his fairytale endings, fairytale endings, two or three kicked out, and Tommaso went for... A fourth one, Alistair got away from him, uh, uh, tried to plant his foot uh, to kick it to give him the black mask, could not. His leg gave way, and he ate the fourth finisher for the one, two, three, and lost. Um, it it all came together. Like it, it sucks because we didn't get the kind of match we know these guys can both get if they can both go. But as far as telling a story, nailed it. It was fine. The, the ending, the, the last third of the match was brilliant. Yeah, uh, I didn't. It, I, I didn't think a leg injury was the right way to have him hobbling around for half of the match before it really got going, and they started like both trying to close the other one out. Right, I, I, that's when it got good for me. Um, but again, I I do need to go back and watch it. In fact, I will watch this whole paper, this whole takeover again. Yeah, because it was top to bottom, just fantastic. I, I, have to, I have to say, I really am. I'm I'm very very impressed by Alistair Black's constitution to have healed from that leg injury in 24 hours and be totally fine coming out of Royal Rumble. Really exactly. incredible. I'm, really I'm glad incredible. you brought that up. That was very that was an incredible. interesting point because really he came thing. in right away. Black Mass Dean Ambrose <laughs> out of the ring. <laughs> Imagine that he could have won the NXT Championship. Oh man. Um, so black did lose clean to show up at the rumble. Do you think that he's going to get called up soon because of this or after WrestleMania? Uh, I'm thinking he would be a absolute perfect choice for a raw debut after mania. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, did, pfft, took the words out of my mouth. Uh, what do you think of Ciampa as this kind of like puppet master dominant heel where he can go out there and win matches, even though he's a bit of a chicken shit. I think the interesting story here is the dark DIY reformation. Yeah, because it um, ended. The show ended with Ciampa at the top of the ramp, holding up his championship. He's holding up Goldie, the NXT Championship, and Johnny Gargano comes out the back to raise the North American Championship next to him. They kind of eyeballed each other and were like, ah, "DIY, both now with their own individual titles." Johnny went and did what Ciampa told him to do. Yeah, I know what you're saying, man. Where is that going? I, I again. Here we go. Twenty. We said that it was going to be the feud of the year in 2018. Who knows what? Do they go take the tag titles together off of the War Raiders and have all of it? 
and it's oh not undisputed God. era. It's it's Champa and Gargano. Dark DIY is is has formed. Ooh. Holy shit! <laughs> I didn't even thought about that. That's a little that's a little crazy, but I'm not mad at it. Uh, there was a brawl after the show went off the air. I think they showed it during the Rumble at one point. Do you think there's anything more to that? It was it was a uh, Velveteen Dream and Ricochet and Alistair Black facing off against uh, Tommaso Ciampa and uh, Johnny Gargano. And who the hell was the other heel who was out there with Ricochet? Them? Oh, no. Heel. Um, was it Adam Cole? Adam Cole. Adam, came Cole. Out. Adam Cole. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, now, they just got announced that they're going to have a match on halftime heat uh, in the middle of the Super Bowl. Do you think do you think <laughs> that do you think that all of this is for like there's any other plot going on here? Is just hey, is it just for that halftime? Heat? We have to commend WWE on their commercial during the Royal Rumble. Why would you watch Maroon 5 when you I can mean, watch? Oh, that was brilliant. They're not wrong. No, they're not wrong. I, I'm absolutely watching halftime heat. Uh, there's not many halftimes in history. I would have, I would sacrifice halftime heat with that match to watch instead. Maybe Prince, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, but, uh, yeah, no Maroon five. You can, you can eat my entire champa. Uh, so at the end of the day, it came out to three and four. I ended up winning TakeOver as well. Two for two for the week. Two for two on the weekend. Barely scared me. Both of them scared me early. But uh, Get us to 20 patrons. Boy. And that right there could have been two more pieces two more of Nia, Nia swag. Two more Nia swags right there. Oh, my goodness. Your boy picks it up again on the yes. weekend. Uh, wow, man. So overall this weekend, some good stuff. Uh, not the best rumble of all time, but certainly I thought better than a lot of rumbles in recent memory. Agreed. Uh, you know, I, I still remember the dark days of B- uh, Batista and Roman winning and everyone freaking out and, and being so mad and just so disappointed. This was way better than that. Way better than that. Um, as far as takeovers go, this wasn't the best takeover in history, but my God, there were some good matches on it. And I think overall it was satisfactory. It was a good weekend of wrestling, Nick. I feel very good about it. I'm looking forward to this week and the fallout from all of this. And I'm looking forward to coming back on Thursday and discussing it with you, sir. Yes, absolutely. Guys, that's our show, our Royal Rumble and TakeOver Phoenix recaps for 2019. If you want to talk some more about this stuff or want to weigh in on your opinions of what happened with the show, head over to the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Send us a join request. Get in for some weekly conversations around all of the WWE shows and some surprise, or not surprise, but some special exclusive Facebook chats during all of the pay-per-views such as Royal Rumble and TakeOver. Thanks again to everybody for joining us during those chats throughout Royal Rumble weekend. You can also find us over on Twitter at BWO Podcast, YouTube at YouTube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. And if you love this show and want to support what we do and want to see Nick put a Nia Jax shrine on his wall for everything else, for weekly pictures and the live stream for everyone to see, Uh, Head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our awesome reward tiers there. The $5 tier is all you need. I'm going to say this right now. I'm I'm, I'm interjecting right now because it just popped into my head. Uh, Obviously, we're we're building this show. We have a long way to go, but we are also doing really well so far. But I'm looking forward to the bright, glorious future where one day we have thousands and thousands of patrons and thousands of subscribers. We already have thousands of subscribers, but even more. Nick. I'm going to say this right now. When we get to 1,000, 1,000 patrons, I will personally dig into my wallet and I will buy you a Nia Jax tattoo. And you will get a Nia Jax tattoo. 
at a thousand patron subscribers. Uh, Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That's been our that's been our show. Thank you very much, wait, ladies wait. and gentlemen. No, hang on. Wait, no, no. It's been a great show. We'll be back Thursday. <laughs> oh, um, okay, we'll talk about that one later. But uh, but until next time, uh, I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude, and I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.